what really gets my dick hard is Welcome to Metal Up Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. And this is episode number 52, and we're uh, we're kind of getting off the rails of actual music and albums and members. We're going to be talking about old Back to the Front, the Master of Puppets book. Yeah, a killer book. If you guys don't have it already, you're about to hear us talk about it for about an hour. Yeah. Um, the What they boasted about it is true. I mean, it's a lot of shit, interviews and pictures that I had never seen until this book Oh, it's came amazing out. stuff, yeah. And one of the coolest things about this episode is uh, it's a bit of a crossover episode. We've got, from Alpha Metallica, our good friend Tom Quee. What's up, Tom? Hey, Tom Quee. Hey, hey. Welcome, buddy. So we- it's, it's weird to be on this show, man. Every <laughs> Monday, it's you guys. We both upload on a Monday. I don't know if that's a competitive thing. I don't know. It's some sort of brinksmanship thing. But also, Single Podcast Theory is there. Always those guys second. Always use first. But it's it's been brilliant to have you guys as contemporaries. To be honest, like I, I love your podcast. Obviously, like everyone else, man. Well, thank you. Thanks, dude. Mm-hmm. And oh, we're fans man. too. And if you guys have been sort of on the ride with us for a minute, you've Tom had us on his show a few months ago. Um, I talked about yeah. we were in the bees. I talked about better than you. Even better than about you. Black a thorn in my side. Blackened obviously was a joy. <laughs> well, but that's what yeah, that, that was fun. That's the thing is like everyone got to hear you two fuckers gush about blackened. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had the uphill battle of defending old right. Grammy award winning better Grammy than Grammy award winning, yeah. And I'm and I'm happy to say that uh I've converted Tom over to the side. His favorite record is now reload. <laughs> That's the- Tom loves that record so much. <laughs> no, it's gonna be fun. We're really glad to have I do think of you. I do think of you when I pl- put it low down, I think, Oh, I just gonna annoy him. Like I don't know, but Well then I've know, done my you've job. Got, gotta be honest. Yeah, well be honest. And- well done. So we're we're excited to have Tom here. Uh, Tom's, as you can probably tell, does not live here in the old state. So he's New Jersey. Yeah. He's in New Jersey. Uh, yeah. Bur- are you in Birmingham? We New can Jersey. tell by the accent you're in New Jersey. Is- yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Born in Birmingham. Okay, and you know we will mention them later actually because Birmingham features in this book towards the end. That's right. They like play what- this long forgotten studio called like Texworth or something and I tried to find it and there's like one post of a forum yeah, 20 they, years ago they had, a, it, they had a rehearsal hall in Birmingham that Big Mick found mm. for him I think yeah yeah, yeah. Um, they played the Birmingham Odeon as well Ozzy was from Birmingham so oh, has cool. a little bit of a link all right, we're going to dive onto this. So since we have Tom here and he is our special guest, we're going to try to blow through the housekeeping crap really quick. You guys all know the deal. We're on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We have a lot of fun over there. Every day we interact with our fans. Yeah. Tom's also on Twitter. Twitter. What's Is it Meta- at MetallicaPod? At MetallicaPod. I was quite garish with the branding there. I had at Tom Waits podcast. I'm like, I just want people to know it's a thing. It's a podcast. Yeah. You guys, is it Metal Up Your Cast? Metal Up Your Podcast? Uh, our, yeah, I don't yeah, even ours, know. Ours is... Um, 
I think it's metal up your cast. Yeah, we literally don't even know. Do well, we? Twitter is tough because you, you only allow a certain now. amount of characters for your username. Yeah, Instagram, true, it can be super true. long. So we got metal up your podcast on Instagram, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think it's I think it's metal up your cast or metal up your PC. I don't know. Well, whatever, go find <laughs> it. It's easy to find. Just click clack it's our that. name into the thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We're doing this iTunes contest. If you don't know about it, all you got to do is leave us a positive review on iTunes, and we are giving out five gifts a month. And for the month of December, it is the Ride the Lightning themed gift giveaway. The big daddy prize being, of course, the Ride the Lightning deluxe box set that comes with vinyls and live shows and all this fun stuff. Um, we were able to, through the gener- generous donations of our patrons, buy the stuff. We give them away. You leave the leave the review. Your name goes in a queue, and we draw out of my skull vase every month now. Yep. It's pretty simple. It's pretty easy. Go do it. For God's sakes, go do it. It's so easy. Free, <laughs> free shit. Don't you want it? Alf Metallica fans, do it. Do it for yourselves. <laughs> yeah. Listen to Tom, damn Look, it. Do it for Tom. Yeah. Do it for there. do it for everyone who had a dream and for mm-hmm. Tom. Yeah, the Ride the Lightning box set oh is God. dedicated to Tom. <laughs> Holy shit, man! Like, I, 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 I've, I've listened to the Master box set. I've not listened to the Ride one, but the Master one is, is you know, spoil of riches. I know oh, it's, yeah. it's a bit more. I think they're learning as they go because it's a bit more involved. Mm-hmm. Like you get a demo tape of the riff tapes, and you got like a sure. lithograph and stuff. <clears throat> the Ride Lightning box set is a bit cheaper too. I think it's like 130 bucks rather yeah. than the 200 mm-hmm. for the yeah. puppets one. Uh, right, the best right. way to get a hold of us is email metal up your podcast show at gmail.com. We read a handful of emails every week, and we're going to do that now. Let's get into some motherfucking emails. Let's get into some emails. All right, everybody. Our first email is from Alex Finney. He says, great revisited episode. Thanks. That's it. Just kidding. (laughs) That would be amazing if that was his whole email. (laughs) He says, thanks for sending us the email. He said, great revisited episode. Thanks. Thanks. (laughs) He goes on to say, I uh, enjoyed Lady Gaga's performance with Metallica. The only drawback is her talent isn't fully realized singing a song especially suited for James James's vocal delivery. The obvious song choice is Nothing Else Matters, but I would love to hear her take on one without Lang Lang, of course. I agree, agree. Of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> or perhaps The Day That Never Comes. There has been a load or reload song. Uh, sorry, uh, there has to be a load or reload song uh, you would like to hear Gaga. I thought about that, and, and if I had to pick load or reload for her to just fucking murder, I would pick Bleeding Me. Bleeding Me? That would be pretty awesome. What do you think? I would better, like to, better, uh, better than you, I think. She needs <laughs> no, to go of course. That, that masterpiece. She needs to tackle it. I would honestly, I, I would like to hear Outlaw Torn. Ooh, yeah. That, yeah, that chorus would be, uh, I think she would kill it. What do you think, Tom? You got a load reload tune you'd like to hear Lady Gaga belt out? Um, Honestly, not really. I wasn't enamored with the performance. I don't know. It's just sort of covers are a thing but like i don't know i mean she's she was okay she was okay but as for load reload just for where the wild things are just to baffle people oh that'd be cool i'd love to hear that yeah i'd like to hear that left field well alex Alex goes on uh, and finishes his email by saying dave 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 i wonder i wonder if these metallica tantrums give him a bump in sales or streams he uh he has to be among if not the top of the most successful musicians fired from a band that eventually went huge yeah well someone tell him that yeah someone let him someone let dave mustaine know someone tell dave mm-hmm. that you know what he did okay he needs to fucking chill out <laughs> i know he does tom tom nothing- you're, you're a megadeth yeah. fan i've heard on your mm-hmm. show what do you make of all this mustaine shit yeah, again, it's confusing. There's so much baggage there. He's been number two for such a long time. Right, right. Um, He's created so many brilliant albums. Like you say, he was part of a brilliant band to begin with. Like, the guy's uber-talented, uber-amazing in so many departments. But, yeah, like, rock stars and Twitter, it, it can be dangerous. Agreed. Yeah. I, 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 and I mentioned it on that Revisited episode, but I fully... 
believe that he gets a kick out of it. I think it, I think mm-hmm. it does something to him, especially how much he interacts with fans on Twitter. I think there's some sort of pleasure he gets out of kind of, you know, just I don't know, just pissing people off or you know shaking the ground a little bit. It's, that's interesting. I, I I I don't see it that way. I really see it as he just can't let it go. Yeah, I think it I think it causes him perpetual pain. I think that's what it, it's this sort of open wound that now that he's more active on Twitter, it's like, what's the motherfucker going to tweet about tomorrow? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think we said it best. He, he is, he is the Donald Trump of metal and he's, and he's kind of, he's, he's kind of his own worst enemy, dude. It's like, dude, yeah. just get out of the way of yourself and celebrate. Cause it increasingly to me, as we dive into the band and all the sort of tangential factors of it, it strikes me how disrespectful it is to Megadeth fans for him to just go on and on about it. It's like, yeah, and, and Ethan, you're a Megadeth fan. Tom's a big Megadeth fan. I'm I'm not really a big fan, so I couldn't give a fuck. But <laughs> I know that lots of people love Megadeth. And what, yeah. what as a fan, we do. how does it feel to see Dave just go on and on about this old, tired Metallica stuff when he could be talking about the good shit he does? Yeah. Well, I mean, and there's a lot of good shit that, that he has done in, in Megadeth. I mean, I, I mean, I you know, speaking of our, our top ten metal records that aren't Metallica, I mean, I've got them in there. Yeah. You know, I love mm-hmm. Megadeth, you know, and I'm mm. sure Tom does too, but mm-hmm. yeah, just give it a rest, man. Just enjoy what you've, you've created. Enjoy the success yeah. you've had. And look, everyone looks, everyone knows you're a better guitar player than Kurt. You don't have to say oh, it. Oh, that hurts. My, that fucking hurts my feelings. <laughs> I'm saying, I'm saying yeah. technically speaking, I'm not saying like, I think what Dave writes is so different from Kirk. Um, I think mm. what Kirk writes is is perfect for Metallica. I think if if you had Dave go in and redo all the solos on the Black Album or something, I would Yuck. not like it nearly Yuck. as much. I'm just saying from horrible. a from a technical angle, he he is technically a better, more skilled guitar player. And yet, I would say, mm. and this is going to piss some of our listeners off, that I think his work is a bit more disposable. I think it's less memorable. His solo is. work is, but his his rhythm work is outstanding. Oh yeah, and, totally. and he is a great riff writer, as is evidenced mm-hmm. on Metallica records. He's a great songwriter. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. That's a, everyone. You guys were right. Hey, you guys are right. Yeah. Thanks, <laughs> Alex Finney. Uh, Alex is a good. Oh, um, is, go sorry. Ahead. Shout out to Alex. He's going to come on the show soon uh, for Die Die My Darling Alpha. Oh, nice. Very cool. Um, so, Alex, you know. Just... So Tom knows Alex. Alex is a very sweet fan. Uh, mm-hmm. Very engaging. Mm-hmm. Very very up on the band. Very yeah. passionate. So it's always good to hear oh, from yeah. Alex. Our next email is from our friend Sarah Sobeck. What's up, Sarah? She says. Did you want to say something, Ethan? No, I was about to do a Damon Stain, but I, I've been stealing that from you too much. <laughs> Dude, don't steal my shitty bit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so, so you must please forgive me, Clinton. Dude, we get hate mail sometimes. People, Some people hate when I do Dave. They hate There's, it. <laughs> Someone out there listening, please do an alphabet, do a, sorry, alphabetalica, I'm so used to plugging it. Metal up your podcast bits compilation, please, because there are so many. It's like Opie and Anthony, the amount of characters now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we could do that. I'm, I'm, I'm I'd like to see that. Uh, I'm trying to work on like a best of of our first year, and it's going to be they're going <laughs> to yeah, be different. That'd be great. I, I just need to somehow find the fucking 75 hours of time to do I that. Know. Yeah. What if we sure, were able sure. to create it? Fans and, will do it. Fans will do it. That's true. Alex it. Finney will do. It. Yeah, Alex Finney's been <laughs> nominated to do it. <laughs> Alex Finney and assorted Patreon supporters are so, collabing. So Sarah writes, and this is, man, this is such a sweet email from Sarah. I did truncate some of it, but <clears throat> she's been such a sweet a sweet friend of the show. She writes, hey guys, get ready for some overdue love. What makes your show so great besides the two of you is the diverse world of Metallica you bring together, the interviews, the in-depth industry knowledge. Hell yeah, on that in- inside. In- industry, the <laughs> inside world. Welcome Nashville. to the inside of the industry. Want to peek behind the curtain? Want to see what it's like to be a Grammy-nominated guitar player on a reggae record? Oh, I, I do, I do. <laughs> 
Uh, Wanna hear I'm, uncle? I'm crying inside. Uh, uh, the in-depth knowledge, uh, the education of industry jargon you bring to us, especially those of us who understand nothing other than to feel the music. You not only have something so huge in common with your listeners, you bring us into a world which only few understand. We feel the genuine love of music and Metallica through you. It's heartfelt and so appreciated. It's amazing to listen to you interview people like Alago and Michael Wagner, who actually were a part of a team of people who make Metallica more than what they ever imagined. Also, Paul Moak, who understands the industry and what it takes to make this machine purr. The fan perspective you bring with your professional experience makes it enjoyable to listen to. And then I, I like how she goes out. She says, Music unites people. Metallica is what brought us all together. But it's the love of all music, the appreci- appreciation for all our differences, the team of people they have behind them, and the fans that have made Metallica what they are today. Four insanely talented guys and an army of support. You rock. Happy holidays, Sarah. Oh, that's very sweet from Sarah. <clears throat> But she's, I mean, she's right when she, I mean, music unites people. This is something obviously everyone knows or should know, but it's so specific with this. now. I mean, it's like, we've got Tom who's in England right now. I mean, it's, it's brought us all together as a Metallica family and fans. For sure. I mean, it makes, there's a lot of talk in the book. One of the cool things about the back to the front book is that it has a lot of anecdotes from fans. Yeah. I thought that was cool. And a really big theme, especially Mm. for fans at that time when they were a bit more underground is that they felt like outcasts and geeks and unaccepted by society and didn't didn't fit and one of them says a really succinct thing where they say as soon as we heard battery which battery is like a call to war almost yeah it's a love letter to their fans as soon as we heard battery we felt like we were part of a tribe yeah man and it's amazing that 30 years later we are still tapping into that and that's still happening i mean we get emails all the time from people that are saying i have nobody to talk metallica with and nobody who understands why i love this band so much and then i started listening to your show they got connected with other fans of the show. We were all Metallica fans. It's just really cool. You hear that, Lars? Yeah, you hear that? <laughs> you listening? <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Sarah. Our right, next email is from Jonathan Rubinoff. He says, boys, discovered the podcast about three weeks ago and have been binging, in parentheses, in purge, Metallapun. Hashtag Metallapun. <laughs> Hashtag Metallapun. Right. On them ever since. Love the show. Listen to you guys chat about record uh, records track through track, and the production of them has renewed the way I listen. To, uh, I listen uh, to record. I have wait. What did he listen to records that I've been so, enjoying? Yeah, yeah. Do, he, you, you you always get these emails. I get them too that are just kind of maybe slightly misspelled, and it always throws you off live. Yeah, he, he, I, he well he mm-hmm. he typed out. Um, uh, the way I listen to record, I have been enjoying for 20 years. He meant to say records. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's be generous. Let's be generous um, listen, to the when you're people. Re- Just keep going. When you're, reading, keep going. when you're reading fast, sometimes this stuff makes me sound like an idiot. Yeah. yeah. True. Um, anyways, <laughs> it's very true. Uh, the way I listen to records, I've been doing for 20 years, especially the load and reload era. Oh, apparently not Tom, though. Yeah, not Tom. Tom's not heard those records any differently. No. <laughs> Didn't grow up with them, view them objectively, no good. <laughs> Sorry. Yet this Sorry. motherfucker likes St. Anger. Oh, Tom. Say Tom. Tom. Come on, It's Tom. enjoyable. In, in, uh, enjoy, in, enjoyably funny. We're going to need to revisit yeah, that later yeah. for sure. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, mark our words. Tom will be back on the revisited of St. Anger. Uh, he ends an <laughs> email by saying... Really appreciate your wisdom and technical experience. Learning something new every episode. Keep up the good work, fellas. John Rubinoff from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, New Jersey. Thank you, New Jersey and Jonathan. Okay, our last one. And uh, this dude asks us a few questions, so um, we'll get Tom to jump in on these two. This is from Russell Delisi. He says, "Hey guys, thank you both for taking the time to create a podcast devoted to Metallica. I know you guys enjoy talking about Metallica, but it still requires sacrificing your personal time." So again, thank you. Uh, I really appreciate him honing in on that. I know yeah. for Tom as well. Like, yeah, it's nice. Yeah. It is a labor of love, and for the show to be as good as Tom's is, or as, as hopefully as ours is, it really does take a lot of time. 
Yeah, and especially with you know Clint and I both being traveling musicians, it's like I mean, you guys have heard in the past. You know, I've been in Germany and Clint's in San Diego or wherever in the world, and we've made it work. And yeah, we do mm-hmm. sacrifice time out of our day away from our families, away from friends, whatever. But it is because of the love of this band that we are willing to do that and do it for you guys. And I'm, I know Tom's the same way. He says, I got turned on to the podcast around episode 33 and have enjoyed catching up along the way. I can say I'm now current with all the podcasts. I'm going to be greedy and ask three questions for my first email. Here we go. Number one, he says, I'm not very knowledgeable when it comes to discussing production and sounds on a record. I've heard about the clipping and compression on Death Magnetic for years and can't identify a single part uh, on the album that sounds out of place. Can you provide a specific example, song part, sound, etc., that will allow me to hear it? Is there something really that noticeable which takes away from the record? Okay, here, can I, can I lead off on yeah, this? T- yeah, take it. Mm. <clears throat> this is a kind of thing where once once hopefully what we're about to say will open your eyes to it and you can hear some of the differences and once you hear it it pops out like a fucking pop-up book yeah now what what the problem is is we're talking about dynamic range in the compression now most rock records when they're mastered mixed and mastered will have like anywhere from anywhere from like 5 db to 12 db of dynamic range yeah meaning the highs and lows so, meaning if you crank it up in cans or crank it up on a great system, you're hearing a lot of different dynamics. Yeah, you are. And uh, some records are mixed and mastered to be turned up loud. And and Death Magnetic, if you, you can actually look at this scientifically, you can compare waveforms to, say, Disposable Heroes or something. Right. Disposable Heroes, there's about 15 level, uh, 15 dB level of dynamics. Yeah. On Death Magnetic, there's about two. Yeah, and, and, and maybe you haven't listened to it this way, but that record specifically... You really notice it when you turn it up loud. It ha- basically it has nowhere, no room to to grow there. When you and, turn it up loud, it sounds the exact same. Yeah, and then that's where you well, you almost start to hear it kind of distorting or A clipping. Yeah, another good example to look at is there's some YouTube user uploaded actual wave file where you see the difference right. in the mastered and unmastered version. He pulled the unmastered version from the Guitar Hero game. And that's a good thing to look at, so you can see, you have a, a visual example of what we're talking about. And not even look at it; you can hear it side by side. Oh yeah. So go listen to that was just your life, the Guitar Hero version, which people have thankfully was one of the nice things about the internet, which I'm becoming increasingly disillusioned with, by the way. But one of the nice <laughs> things is that people have done all this work, and you can actually hear it. Newsflash. And um, <laughs> I know everyone wants to hear me continue to pontificate about that, but but here's the deal: it's the kind of deal where you may not technically know what's going on. But you will find yourself getting fatigued. Like if you listen to Death Magnetic at a reasonable volume and burn the whole record down, it, there's a, it's like almost psychological because there, the, the facts are that these DB dynamics are happening. Yeah. But it starts to sort of physically wear on you. It does, yeah. I mean, if, if you've ever heard, heard of a musician talking about ear fatigue, right. you know, it, it starts to wear out your eardrums and like make them tired almost to where it, and then that affects your whole body, you know, mentally and physically. You're like, I'm just, I can't listen to this anymore. So I, guess, so I guess to hone in on the question is there's not really a specific area. Like I, I wouldn't be able to say like, oh, the bridge to my apocalypse which i know is one of tom's favorite songs yeah there's not yeah, really yeah there's lo- lots of lots of bright spots throughout the album i think yeah and it's it's just one of those deals where once you kind of know um the physics of what's happening you can hone in a little more yeah exactly but t- but mm-hmm. taken as a whole like it doesn't bother me as much as some fans but it's definitely there well it's one of those things that, that has grown on me you know it's like when i first heard it i was excited because it didn't sound like saint anger but <laughs> then I, I dove into the record and then it started to sound, okay, I, I hear what they're talking about. I started reading articles about it because it was, you know, making music news headlines. 
But, you know, that record's almost 10 years old now, and right. it doesn't really bother me like it used to. Well, and, and if you, there's a thing that was happening that was really big at the time around the sort of mid to late aughts called the Loudness Wars. Yeah. And Metallica's putting mm-hmm. out a new record, the first one since Death Mag- since St. Anger. It's a return to thrash. They were definitely involved in the Loudness Wars. The mastering engineer, I forget his name, Tim something, he came out and basically said he was encouraged to master it loud by management, and that doesn't shock me at all. And that he said also that the tracks came to him already what's called brick-walled, yeah. me- meaning highly compressed and mixed already with sort of some of this problem. Yeah, it, it didn't give him much room to work with as, as a mastering engineer to do his job properly. And we talked about that briefly on the Death Magnetic, or maybe we went in depth. I don't, I don't, I don't remember the Death Magnetic episode. That was a long time I ago. I just know we've done one. So anyway, hopefully that helps. Uh, his next question is, um, he says, I think we can all agree Hardwired is phenomenal. Uh, which I, I, Tom, you're kind of lukewarm on Hardwired, is that right? Yeah. Okay. I think there's some there's some good songs, but it's kind of it's kind of load filler. I don't know. <laughs> wow, man, he cut he cuts like a knife, <laughs> dude. He cuts like a knife. Yeah, people. <laughs> I'm the harsher Metallica podcast. English <laughs> English people uh, don't hold back when it comes to how they feel about Brummies. anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I will say this one thing I really do appreciate about Tom's show is that Tom Tom does not hold back when he does not like something. That's great. No, and, that, that's a that's a great part about your show. I th- and I think if you are going to do a show, because if you, for you guys that don't know, Alpha Metallica, the reason it's called that is he's going through every song alphabetically and just sort of burning mm-hmm. down the song. And I think that as fans, to get out of our bubble a little bit, we need some of that push and pull. Yeah, I, absolutely. I just, the only thing that, again, just completely shocks me is that he doesn't really apply that to St. Anger. <laughs> 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 He's so scrupulous about everything but the one it's record. It's a selling point. Um, yeah. yeah. It is a selling point to be like, I'm the guy that likes St. Anger. Just come check me out. Exactly. <laughs> oh, it's a marketing tool for Tom. So mm-hmm. uh, uh, I, I'm totally like derailing this Russell's email. He says... Um, <laughs> Hardwire is phenomenal. He says, I would even argue it's the best album released by any band in years. Do you oh, think... Oh, shut up. No. <laughs> there you go, see? <laughs> here, no. co- here comes Tom to talk about Dystopia. <laughs> Dystopia is a great record. Hello, Dystopia. <laughs> uh, he says, do you think it's at all possible that Metallica will not record another album specifically because of the success of Hardwired and because they're towards the end of their career? I was hoping for some perspective from artists such as yourselves who've been out creating mm. music for years. Do you ever consider stopping because, quote-unquote... We won't top that song or album. To me, this is what separates Metallica from other bands. Aside from St. Anger, which should have an asterisk next to it anyway, they've never released an album we would describe as meh. Uh, well, obviously, Tom would disagree, but I would say when they were making Load and Reload, they were coming off the heels of the Black Album. And you can see, it's, it's in the So What book, I believe, but they actually even say, like, look, we're not going to top the Black Album. Yeah, every artist knows that. If they have a big record, they're, they're probably not going to top that. that. And I think that's what lended the load Reload era to more experimentation, is they were like, look, we're not going to fucking do Sabbath True and Unforgiven and right. Sandman again. So we should just continue growing as artists and following this path. Um, I have worried that now, because, you know, obviously it's 25 years later since then, and they've had arguably one of their biggest records since the Black Album, yeah. at least in terms of reception. The, uh, the amount of touring they've been able to do, selling out stadiums. I mean, yeah, they haven't yeah. done that in a long time. Yeah. Tom, let me ask you this. What is your What would be one of your least favorite songs off Hardwired? Oh, um, Am I Savage, probably. Am Ooh. I Savage, really? That one's really yeah. That one's really grown on me. Really? I always liked it, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> what's I, your, I've learned, uh, you know, go on. What's go your on. favorite song on Hardwired? Probably Moth. Oh, great one! Of Moth and the Flame is in the running for my favorite Metallic song of all time. I think Moth and the Flame, so good. Uh, 
Atlas Rise, Dream No More, Spit, and um, yeah, I mean, there's there's so many good tracks on that record. Dude, yeah. Spit, Confusion, yeah. yeah. Now that we're dead, I mean, mm. shit. Yeah, I the, love it. The whole record. <laughs> um, it's a good question. I, I I think they've been down this road before, and I I think if anything, the signs are pointing to them cranking out another record. Yeah, soon. I, I mean, I think the dudes in the band, especially James and Lars, I think they do nothing but look look, look forward and move forward and not dwell on you know little details like that in a lot of ways they're still the same they still have the same engine as they did when they made puppets like yeah i don't think they think too much about it i think they make whatever record they're wanting to make and that includes saint anger and so i think they're gonna that's been a hallmark of their career i think they're gonna carry it on to the goddamn bitter end and i'll be there yeah i'll be there too unless we die today which three of us could well let's at least get this episode out first (laughs) yeah (laughs) This could be our last episode. Okay, his his last question is, what's your overall opinion on the song One? I know you've covered it on the Justice Podcast. It's my favorite song of all time, but never seems to be recognized as a fan favorite. It's not on either of your top 10 lists, but would it be in your 11 to 20 range? For sure. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Well, the top 10 of of, of all Metallica songs is really, it was a tough list to make. And it it evolves. I mean, it changes. It does. Now, I will say, uh, my thoughts on One is I think it's a fucking perfect, song it's immaculate it's got it's it's got that every element of great metallica it's got the ballad stuff it's got the thrash stuff it's got good um, melodic leads and great vocals by hetfield i've got nothing bad to say about that song what do you think tom about one uh i i put one in my top 10 just recently there on we the go channel, actually there we go um i think it was number four uh, yeah, I think it's an absolute which, masterpiece. Which shocked really. me because I tweeted uh, when you were talking about that episode that your top tens were just basically all, all uh, Carpe Diem Baby. <laughs> that's it. Better Than You was in there as well, I think. But yeah, yeah there it is. that song. Just can't well, get enough of that vanilla Southern rock. Well, Russell, <laughs> you motherfucker. Vanilla Southern <laughs> Well, Russell, what can we say, man? I don't know. That watery, like, you know. I don't know. We, I guess, we haven't spent enough time talking about it, but I, I think our 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 love and respect for the song one is is extremely high. Absolutely, it's, yeah. Oh my god. I mean, just thinking about it now, just that all that classical sounding clean stuff and the verses and the barn burner outro. I mean, yeah, it's a, and mm-hmm. the machine gun outro is arguably one of the most memorable hooks of all metal. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, when oh you first god. heard that. It, it, it's almost like how did no one do this before like how did yeah. no one do that it's mm. so simple but so great yeah there is an I, I can't remember off the top of my head there's an anthrax song that has a similar thing and I, I, I should go back and look at the years those came out right on right on man alright our last thing is Danny Derry Danny Derry Danny Derry Berry well, Tom what do you think about our British uh, accents on the show pretty good that's convincing not, yeah that's not real <laughs> convincing <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've convinced him that it sucks. <laughs> so Danny Derryberry is a good friend of the show. He sent us an email. Yeah. I'm not going to read the full email, but he did ask, what are our, and we won't spend enough time on this. We're going to get into the book really shortly. Hang in there with us. But he did ask, other than Metallica, he wanted to know what our top 10 metal records were. Now, this is actually kind of tough for me because as Ethan knows, maybe some of our listeners know, I listen to a shitload of non-metal music. Yeah, same. Like my two favorite records this year are Tori Amos's Native Invader and Lana Del Rey's Lust for Life. Um, so th- my list was kind of difficult to make, but we all made them, right? Yeah. Right, and yeah, we're not gonna yeah. we're not gonna spend too much time camped out. So maybe I'll do mine, then Tom can go, and then you can go. Okay, that's fine with me. Is that cool, cool with you, yeah, Tom? Yeah, and let's go. Let's obviously, go. number ten and number one. We'll do ten to one. All right. So for me, and some of some of the ones on my list, I think are gonna <laughs> bum people out. But okay, so number ten. <laughs> Pantera reinventing the steel 
and mm. underappreciated. Very under, yeah. It's Pantera's Talent. last record together. Uh, I believe they won a Grammy for um, for Revolution, but. I would say to you out there who are like OG Cowboys from Hell, vulgar display of power, Pantera Cats, go go revisit Reinventing the Steel. It's a fucking barn burner start to finish. Number nine, Sepultura Chaos AD. Ooh, nice. That's a good the record. The song Nomad in itself um, uh, qualifies it. Number eight, I've, it's no secret to anyone who listens to the show, I've gone through a huge Black Sabbath phase this year. Number eight for me is Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. Great record. Mm. Number seven, Iron Maiden, Power Slave. It's mm. my favorite Iron Maiden you, record. You know I fully back that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Number six, uh, a kind of Dark Horse Slayer record, uh, Diabolus and Musica, which is one of their <laughs> 90s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Tom likes, Tom likes that one. Tom is just like outright <laughs> la- he's, he's, he's outright laughing at me. He's like <laughs> outright making fun of me. <laughs> I think he's laughing at the, that ridiculous album title. Ah. <laughs> Um. Okay, this one's gonna make you. This is the head scratcher, and I I commit to it. Number five, Marilyn Manson, Mechanical Animals. Good which, record. Which is basically a glam rock record. It is, yeah. But it's Manson. It's Manson, so you can throw him in the metal category. Here, here's what happened to me with Manson, and I know I said we wouldn't talk a lot about these, but right. I always thought Marilyn Manson was sort of industrial metal. I'd heard Antichrist Superstar. I love it now, but at the time, 96, I was like, nah, it's shock rock bullshit. His, yeah. his transgressive shit, I didn't really get on board with. When I heard Mechanical Animals, I was like, oh, this dude writes actual songs. Like, this record has great songs on it. Yeah, yeah. And I've been on the Marilyn Manson uh, train ever since. Number four, probably one of the greatest metal records of all time, Black Sabbath, Paranoid. Yep. Their mm. second record. It's a great record. And so one, probably my favorite Black Sabbath song is Planet Caravan, which Pantera, by the way, covered on, I believe, uh, Further Beyond Driven. Number three, also going to bum some people out, but I can't, I can't deny it. They're one of my f- top five favorite bands. Number three, Tool, Anima. Good record. I'm not a huge Tool fan, but that is an awesome record. Number two. I've never, I've never actually listened to Tool. Sorry to interrupt. I've never genuinely not heard You should song. check out Anima. Yeah, and, and if, okay. if, if there's one record to check out, that's the one. Um, okay. Number two, I've got to give it up. I mean, Pantera is my second favorite metal band. So number two for me is Vulgar Display of Power. A new level, yeah. Walk. I mean, that record is crazy. That record is insane. Demons B, whatever that song is, that's mad. Yeah. My number one favorite metal record that's not Metallica is Alice in Chains' Dirt. Dude, nice. Mm, a huge so Alice good. fan. It was tough so between that good. and Facelift, but I went with Dirt. Yeah, okay, I'm with you. Um, Are you ki- Rain yeah. When I Die. Rain When I Die, oh, track Rain three. Rain When I Die is so good. Oh, track three with the fake ending. Yep. Yeah, it fades out, fades back in. I read one time, and the Guitar World used to do these segments called 60 Minutes With, and it'd be 60 Minutes With Ozzy Osbourne, 60 Minutes With Whoever, and it would be an artist like Ozzy picking 10 songs that they loved. And uh, James Hetfield did a 60 Minutes With, and one of his songs was Them Bones, which is the lead-off track of Dirt. So good. And he said he would listen to Them Bones right before getting onto the stage, because it would pump him up. Dude, that's awesome. Mm. All right, Tom, what's your top 10? Let's hear it, Tom. Let's hear all... It's just basically Megadeth records, <laughs> 10 Megadeth records. <laughs> yeah, this was hard to do. I liked when you asked this, because it was fun to think about, but like yourselves, really, like a lot of the metal canon, like Judas Priest, Slayer, etc., don't really interest me so some of these might stretch the metal definition slightly All right. but uh try to make it a bit more interesting obviously non-metallica number 10 is iron maiden's dance of death i don't know if you've listened Ooh, to that dance one. of yeah. death no, wow. yeah yeah um sort of i guess third incarnation maiden when there's like three different guitar players this is their second record after brave new world yeah and it's before they get like really proggy and really long songs again they're quite short yeah quite energetic really good album very cool um 
Number nine, a day to remember for those who have heart. I don't know if you day to remember fans. Oh yeah, I've, Ethan, I, I've been on tour with them on Warp Tour before. Oh no way, that's yeah. so cool, man. We have really nice guys and really. Well, let really, me guess, hmm. you guys won a fucking Grammy together. I don't know if they won a Grammy. Maybe <laughs> they have, but I will it say it, they fucking kick ass live. Mm. Mm, mm. Really good. Um, this is a bit of an obscure one, slightly number eight. Um, Bad guys, uh, the album Bad Gynecology. They're kind of like very short, very punk. Uh, 2015 guys. Wow. Um, you know, northern English guys. The very heavy riffing. The record's called Bad Gynecology. <laughs> Bad Gynecology. Uh, sort of gutter punk humor and, you know, very witty. I can't say I've ever really heard of that band, but I'm, I'm, I'm definitely no. down to check them out. I mean, check I, them out. I, I, I personally hate good gynecology, so if it's yeah. bad. <laughs> the, the best gynecology is bad gynecology, right? Um, number seven, maybe a bit left field. I don't know if they're metal or not. This is Alter Bridges Blackbird. I think you could you could throw them in the category. You know what I mean? Yeah. Eh, like, I, now um, I, I I would much rather take Alder Bridge over Creed, of course. Oh yeah. But I mean, those dudes have those dudes could write some heavy shit. Well, and Marchamani mm-hmm. is a a sort of surprise, amazing guitar player. He is. He's great. Oh, and yeah. B, he's a he's massive amazing. Metallica fan. Yeah. So whatever the fuck, yeah. Mark, come on the show, yeah. motherfucker. Yeah, come on, man. <laughs> Number six for me. Again, maybe a little bit more locally known, and so watch you from afar. Um, then their debut they're a northern irish sort of instrumental metal band mm. um they're fucking brilliant i urge people to check out their first two records this and gangs um but they're a really really good four piece really sort of otherworldly but chaotic and really raw um number five and four are megadeth uh rust there in peace it and is yeah yeah uh, rust in peace and euthanasia i had to pick both of those i adore both of them euthanasia interesting okay mm. i mean rust in peace mm. you can't really fuck with that record's no. pretty flawless yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, um, if you like Mustaine Ma- vocals. <laughs> is that Marty, what, is sweating, is, is sweating bullets better than Kirk? Uh, no, that's on, that's on Countdown to Extinction, I oh, think. okay. Yeah, Countdown to Extinction. Cool. Mm-hmm. Which I don't like the sound of. I think Euthanasia sounds a lot better. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of more heavily produced, sort of post... Is it pre-Black Album? I don't know. It's around that era. Um, number three, sorry, trying to get through these quickly. Number three is uh, Rage's debut. Ooh, is that metal again? Love it. Love but it. I, I, I love would, that album. I would definitely throw that in a metal, bomb metal track. Bomb track into killing the name of into take the oh power back God. is one of the best three take songs. Take the power back. I know. Know your enemy. Yeah. That's great on yeah. that. Well, actually, know, know your, your enemy. enemy. Wake up. Which like. features vocals from Maynard James Keenan from Tool. Yeah, it oh, does. Okay. You're right. Yeah. In what part? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to think. I, I really don't. I really. I, I, I. All I have in my head right now is like, yes, I know my enemy. But yeah, Manor yeah. James Keenan does like the middle growly, like, screamy part. I got no time. I got no time. That's it. Yeah. That's him. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Did we just play a clip of it just now? I think that was an actual clip. We don't need the key. We'll break it. do that at school i used to do that song me and my friend ryan used to play it on drums so love that song um number two i could do all of these guys album system of a down um one of my all-time favorite bands steal this album is my number two choice yeah great band yeah great band um, 
why haven't they released any material in like 12 15 years that, that surge guy just made a film or he scored a, he scored a, he actually only did he scored a film for joe berlinger's new movie oh very cool Oh, I don't know what it's cool. called. He's done solo shit too. I know they still get together and play shows, but yes, they do festivals. Yeah, and they're a great live band. If you haven't seen them live, I I, I got to see them uh, on this festival called Soundwave in Australia. They were them and Slipknot were headlining, and System Went Down was fucking awesome live. Great band. Hmm. All right, number one, Tom. Number one, um, Mastodon's Blood Mountain. Oh, cool. Oh yeah, Mastodon's great. Mm. They are great. Yeah, and you know Metallica are big Mastodon fans. Oh yeah. Uh, when I saw, um, oh no, it wasn't. Damn it, it wasn't Mastodon. It was Lamb of God. Never mind. God. Okay, okay. Well, I mean, just just briefly, Mastodon to me are like sort of Superman comics. Like they're very predictable to a certain extent. You know, Superman's just this all powerful being, whatever he wins at the end. Metal's just kind of chuggy and riffy and whatever. But this Mastodon, like Grant Morrison did on All Star Superman, um, really reinvented the wheel. I think, and there's some fucking intelligent, captivating, heavy shit on here. Yeah, um, man. If you if you know if you're into your sort of prog metal riffing, you can't do better than this album. Did he reinvent the wheel or reinvent the steel? The steel. <laughs> right, right. There's Tom, that's, <laughs> a, that's a great list, man. Yeah. Yeah, there was a couple yeah, so. couple cur- curveballs in there, but uh, okay. I, I dig okay. it. All right, let's hear Grammy okay. Grammy nominated. Yeah, Grammy nominated okay. Ethan Lux. <laughs> All right, no, number, <laughs> number 10 is Uprising by Bob Marley. Oh, metal. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Let me redo this. Okay. Oh, uh, my number 10 is Sepultura Arise. That was my first introduction to Sepultura, which is why I love Give that record so much. Sepultura love. I didn't even know we and I, you and I liked Sepultura. We, ha- we, uh, we also have um, two, two repeats on this, on our list. Holy crap. Yeah. Okay, number nine, going with old Tom with Rage Against the Machine, but I'm going with Evil Empire. Oh. In my seventh grade yearbook picture, I'm wearing an Evil Empire shirt, and <laughs> nice. I looked like that kid on the cover. Greasy hair, <laughs> pale. Well, Bulls on Parade, but like the deep, like Vietnam and like oh yeah, there's Rodeo some, Drive, the deep boomerang, the deep pocket cuts. full of stones. Yeah, the, oh yeah, there, there, there's so much good material on that record. Great um, record. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and number eight, Judas Priest screaming for vengeance. Boom, that's okay. a good classic. Like, yeah, classic British heavy metal record. That, that was also my first introduction to Judas Priest when I was younger. Um, uh, number six. Sorry, uh, number sorry seven. Jeez, what's my problem? Can't count. Paranoid. Ooh, there Black, we go. Black right. Sabbath. There's our first repeat. Okay. Number six, Slayer, Seasons in the Abyss. Yeah. I mm-hmm. love that record. War Ensemble. Fuck, it's so good. War Ensemble, yeah. Uh, number five, Pantera. Not a repeat, though. Far Beyond Driven. Dude, Shedding Skin is in my top five Pantera songs. It's from so that good. And, and, and I love getting on YouTube or whatever and watching old footage of them touring that record. They were just unstoppable. That's the record that. after Vulgar Display. Yeah, after Vulgar Display. It's so good. Number four, here's our repeat. Allison Chain's Dirt. Jam. Yeah. It's so good. It's a jam. Damn That River. Just oh, like, God, track yeah. two. What a song. Track two. Yeah, track two. What a kicker. What a killer track. I actually found them bones through Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Really? Um, I remember it was playing. He was, was playing on Axl Rose's radio station. He was like a DJ on the show. Yeah, yeah. You and change uh, the chaser in the car and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And first hearing it and just being blown away and then getting dirt and then just hearing like down in a hole and just... That's it's one a, of the best albums ever. It's one of the best albums yeah, ever. It is. I mean, with, and then you got like the Rooster and Wood and Angry Chair. Oh, Hate to feel. Angry Chair is great. Junkhead. Yeah. Godsmack. smack. Like, I saw. I saw Alice open uh, with the new cat. It was just in like 2007. So Lane. William. What's his name? Uh, William. William. Yeah. Someone. Yeah. William Duvall. William Duvall. That's yeah. it. And Duvall. Lane. Lane had been gone for a minute, and uh, they were opening for Velvet Revolver. I was. I was maybe 22 and. They fucking opened with Junkhead. 
Yeah. Which Drunk actually fuck. Which actually kind of bummed me out because that's a song about Lane's unabashed heroin yeah. addiction that he di- that he died from. That he died from. They're yeah. like, ah, let's go out and open with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're not going to no. retire the song. In fact, we're going to make it the featured opener of the set. Yeah, this is what we're starting with. <laughs> All right. Uh, Tom's going to like this one. Number three, Megadeth, Rest in Peace. Oh, my God. That's- Hello, reggae. <laughs> <laughs> Tornado of Souls. Oh, Tornado of Souls is so good. That is the be- that is the- that is better than anything Kirk Hammett's ever written. That guitar solo. Uh, what? I w- it's. I it, would say that. It's, I would pre- it's pretty fucking amazing. I mean, the musicianship on that record. I mean, that, that classic Megadeth lineup of when you had Marty, oh Marty Freeman and Nick Menza in the band was just. Menza, I mean, that was their yeah. A game lineup. For Let sure. me just go ahead and remind both of you that this is a fucking Metallica podcast. <laughs> and Dave Mustaine was a Metallica, so there you go. So <laughs> there go fuck you yourself. Go. Yeah. The circle. punishment is due. <laughs> All right, I got two left, and we'll actually talk about this damn book. <laughs> Number two, Anthrax, Among the Living. You love Anthrax. I love Anthrax. Yeah. Love That's them cool. so much, yeah. I, at one point, I had two Anthrax records on here. Uh, you went through many revisions. I did. Now, Just weeks and weeks of toil. Number one, Iron Maiden, Peace of Mind. Nice. Mm. Peace of Mind is is a pretty perfect metal record. I, I mean, it's so good. Where Eagles Dare, like, there's so much good shit on there. Flight of Icarus. You know what we should do? Um, uh, I'm not on Spotify, but uh, Tom, are you on Spotify? Uh, yeah, I, I know what you're thinking. Assemble a playlist of these let's, albums. Let's, let's everyone pick yeah. their favorite song from each of the record, and we'll release these through our various socials. Yeah. That way mm. we can mm. we can turn people on to shit. Yeah, totally. Mm. Um, I like that. Well, and that, ladies and gentlemen, a hundred minutes later, were the emails. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about this book. For those of you who have it, you know how badass it is. For those of you who don't, we're going to hopefully titillate you, into, as Tom said before we started rolling, into buying it for the holiday season. You really should. This, <laughs> get yourself a gift this holiday season and buy it back yeah. to the front. Maybe your old Chris Kringle himself will hop his fat ass down that fucking <laughs> fireplace and give it to you. That's right. I hope he does. Uh, let's just get some facts out of the way about it so we can sort of contextualize it. So, um, it's back to the front. It's the, this is what, you know, on their official website. It was published in August of 2016. It tells the fully authorized story, the creation of Master Puppets, through a 276 page hardcover, large format, coffee table book. It features new and exclusive interviews with band members, friends, and fans of the band from all around the world. Hundreds of never before seen images from the band's personal collection, written by Matt Taylor. And it came out to celebrate the 30th anniversary of Puppets, which I know makes some of our listeners feel real old. And by the way, you are, and so are we. Yeah, welcome. Um, it's currently on sale for $32 on Metallica's website. Yeah, so. yeah. It, uh, it was. I think my, my wife got it for me, which is very generous of her because she doesn't even like Metallica. But um, yeah, I think she got it through Amazon. And it's if you don't have this book, it is so worth getting. As a Metallica fan, you should have this. You know what? I, I, so I was on, um, I did a one I did a one-off with Claire Dunn this weekend. I was in Florida doing a show. and um, Just speaking of getting the book, a dude told me, so when Running Down a Dream came out, which for those of you who haven't heard our Tom Petty revisited, you should go check it out, but uh, there was a similar coffee table style book called Running Down a Dream Yeah, that I got as soon as it came out, just like this book. And uh, I've come to learn that it's actually very valuable now. because they, The Tom Petty one? 
because they only did one press of it and there there are no plans to repress it. Oh, so that's awesome. Who knows mm-hmm. for those of you out there who are collectors, I know our friend Kent Bell is listening. Uh, I don't know if you guys want to hop on it or not, but they may not make more of these. Yeah, and it's a great piece. I mean, just I won't put it on my coffee table actually just because I know one of my dogs will probably just grab it one day and tear it apart like they did in my, my Clash coffee table book. But it's, it's, I mean, just flipping through, even just looking at the photos, not reading a damn word. Yeah. It's just amazing to look at all this stuff that you've never seen before. Well, there, there are literally photos of Cliff and stories about Cliff in here that will bring a fucking tear to your eye. I mean, oh, am yeah. I alone oh, in that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Am I, I mean, you get, did you guys get emotional with some of this stuff? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I can't stress how incredible this book is. Absolutely, truly, like the insight that it gives you into the band is, you know, unparalleled. Um, I always love. I, I appreciate you probably, you guys probably do too. Like behind the scenes documentaries, music documentaries, how things were made, etc. Um, I think on your record, I think on your recommendation, Ethan, I watched that Green Day one that they did for those three albums. Oh, Quattro, you mentioned yeah. it. Yeah, I think you mentioned it, and I checked that. I watched Sound City as well for the first time recently. Yeah, Sound City. So That's a great good. one. Yeah. Oh my god, like amazing, amazing. So getting something like this that has countless photos, countless interviews, countless anecdotes. Um the guy who did the book itself, Matt Taylor, um, is a fucking genius, the way this is assembled and put together, you know, expertly. He actually did a battle a book about Jaws, um, that's kind of similar, but just looks at Steven Spielberg's movie. Did you see that? Interesting, no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't know so wait, it's about the movie yeah. does or Spielberg in general? Uh, no, it's about the movie Jaws. It's called uh, Memories uh, from Martha's Vineyard. Really? Um, jo- Jaws it. is one yeah, of my yeah, favorite yeah. horror movies of all time. Oh, you need to get this then, man. Yeah. Um, it, it's basically, yeah, I've seen this in a comic book shop, actually, in um, Birmingham, and it was the same as this book. It's just kind of loads of photos and interviews, etc. So, yeah, this book, you can see pictures of it online, etc. It is an absolute, you know, treasure trove. And Very cool. And for, and for 35 yeah. bucks, I mean, and like... How yeah. lucky are we that this band cares this much about releasing this sort of behind the scenes? I mean, they've done it for mm. a long time, pretty yeah, much yeah. since Black Album. They've and thank goodness they've documented all this shit that we're seeing now. But like, how excited does it make us for the fucking justice era that's about to Gosh, happen? Gosh, I hope they do a book like this for justice. Mm. Oh my Please. gosh! Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. You can skip load and reload, but do a justice one. <laughs> In the Justice one, there'll be no photo, photos of Jason's base. They're going to Photoshop out his base of every photo. They'll be redacted out. It'll be like the Politburo or something. It'll just be like... So well, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to I'm going to drive the ship a little bit. Yeah, we've yeah. all read through the book. We've all sort of made oh, little yeah. notes about about what pokes out. And uh, if you have the book already, we invite you to come on down and crack well, it open. <laughs> well, come on down now and step by the fire with us while we read it back to the front. And uh, can Paul Paul read? Well, I I don't read so good, see, but uh, I look at the pictures and I make do with what I can pick up from the context clues. And uh, w- won't you please join us as we take a journey back to the front, back to the mid '80s of Lars and his friends making this great music? Well, I don't know what you just said. Now sounds like you're from a, on across the pond, but uh, let's straddle up and go. Straddle up, straddle, straddle up. up and go. See. Straddle up and come with us. <laughs> just strap on and come on. <laughs> All right. So uh, the book is sort of laid out in chapters that sort of chronicle the the, the puppets era, them coming off the lightning tour, writing the record, mm-hmm. doing the Aussie tour, doing the headline shit. Um, there's a really great forward by James. So we'll just kind of start there. Page 11, James does a forward. Everyone turn to page 11. <laughs> Ding. But it, you know, the first thing he says is I miss Cliff, you know? And, yeah. And it's really touching. And it, once you really dive into this era, it becomes really clear how much James looked up to Cliff. 
the whole band, but James in particular. Oh yeah, James was mm. very inward and very shy and introverted, and Cliff was this sort of symbol of confidence, self confident. Yeah, didn't give a shit yeah. what people thought. It comes through in his music. Yeah, and well, at one point later in the book, someone was talking about how after his his death, he was the older brother of Metallica. Right, like everyone looked up to him mm-hmm. as an older brother, especially James as a songwriter. Well, and the gold- and, and he and he's sorry, he's missing from the book, isn't he? Like it's it's quite a he painful is. realization as you read through. No, I have everyone's this, talking about this incredible person, but he's not here to I tell to- his side of the story. Totally agree, because yeah, it's almost like you know he didn't do much press, which I don't know if you guys noticed this the last few weeks. They've released a lot of cool interview footage. Of yeah, the oh, band. yeah. But you're right. The radio interview one, yeah. It's like a lot of this stuff um, is obviously retrospective, and he he is it is kind of a big omission. But speaking of Cliff, you know, like what they really do at the top of the book is they sort of they sort of detail what was going on at the time, but they sort of do it through the story of Cliff's death. Yeah, which is mm. very cool. Well, they, what they do is they yeah. kind of they kind of get the most tragic part of the story out of the way. Right. It's a story yeah. that everyone knows, but it's really, really interesting to read this from the perspective of other guys other than the band. Well, and Matt know? Taylor does a really good job of sort of poetically, like sort of, um, <laughs> what's the word I want to say? Novelizing? Novelizing? Yeah. Novelizing? He treats it with the utmost respect. He does. Um, but kind of quite shattering detail. Um, you know, if, for instance, you learn that they're coming from a Solna Harlan arena, like it's very... If anyone's read Mark Lewisham's all these years, it's it's quite you know it's detailed profiles of where where everyone comes from and you know yeah. Lars being into Deep Purple and Cliff and hunting and his teachers that well, he was learning the music of. It's beautiful. yeah, Tom's right. Like they he, they use the story of Cliff that is kind of like his last bus ride. Yeah, to sort of mm. introduce the band members, contextualize where they were all at, what they had done. It was actually a really smart way to start the book. It was, I mean, even the deta- mm. detail they went into of like the road that the bus crash was on, ta- talking in detail about how the curves appeared to be totally almost invisible on the road, and you know, in- until you got up close to it, then you had to slow down. Like little details like that were just describing the atmosphere that was around that bus and in that area of the country. Well, and speaking of that, here's a detail I, n- I never knew, and I thought this was really fascinating. Is Big Mick was saying that when they were touring Europe and they would be in non-English speaking... Sorry, what page are we supposed to turn to? Uh, this is on page 28. <laughs> turn to page 28. But Big Mick is talking about how... Because there, there's a lot of uh, dispute, right? Did he see black ice? Was he nodding off? Did he fall asleep? Was he drunk or whatever? A lot of understandably angry people were wanting answers. And Big Mick talks about how when they would do non-English speaking venues the people who were doing the spotlights couldn't communicate with like, well, this is Kirk, our lead guitar player, and when he does a solo, you need to put a spotlight on him, right? They just yeah. had a language barrier. So he said the bus driver would end up doing that. Uh, you, well, you know, that's very common in Europe. Very common, Tru- right? Uh, truck truck drivers... They end up becoming in. like de facto crew members. Yeah. But they're driving... I mean, in the States, it's highly regulated. Yeah. If you have anything over 12 hours, you have to have a second driver. Oh, it, it's it, It's more regulated over there now. But this is the mid '80s. Oh yeah, so, no, mid '80s. It was way different. Now, if you're in Europe, Europe even adapted all those regulations for truck and bus drivers before the U.S. did. I mean, there was a point in, in the U.S. when me and Clint would be touring, and oh, we've got a 14-hour drive, and the bus driver's like, "You just have to pay me double." Let's well, because because overdrives, they can make a shit ton of money. Right. But now they can't even. They're, they because they, what they have to do is they log all of their hours. Yeah. And now bus companies, most people lease their buses through a bus company that provide the driver. 
they've all cracked way down on that. Oh yeah, well they've I mean they've got like they've got a monitoring system in the truck in the car right. tr- car in the bus now with the GPS, so they know when they're stopping, when they're doing anything. So if you try to go over that, you're going to get in trouble. But I but I, I I've not toured Europe as much as you. I've done it a little bit, but I didn't know like it's unfathomable of me to ask our bus driver to like help us with cruise shit because a if you've ever sat up front and talked to a bus driver for a little bit it's it's a it's a fucking experience yeah it's, it's those are some strange cats there's some pawpaws out there driving buses <laughs> well i reckon i could get up there on the old lighting truss and shine a uh, shine a light on kirk hammett it's just a big flashlight <laughs> big flashlight right what's a big flashlight right yeah it's a, well, tell you what man it's like a big old mag light well, when he's playing his guitar solo, I just shine it bright on him. But when you think about them, when you think about this cat driving 12 hours, because I think they were like doing three or four really long drives, doing 12 hour drives and then not sleeping because he's shining a goddamn spotlight on Cliff yeah, Burton during it, anesthesia. It, it is a trip when you're, when you're turning over there and you see the truck drivers and the bus drivers. I think the bus drivers don't do that anymore, but truck drivers still do. Well, they'll drive all night, sleep all day, and then once the doors open or whatever the show, they get up, eat dinner, and all of a sudden you see those dudes strapping up and going up in the in the up in the lighting truss with spot, you know, running spotlights. It's crazy or cameras. I just know that like when I'm touring now, and like if I ever see the bus driver, like if he's hanging around the venue or the hotel, I'm like, hey man, you getting some sleep or what? Like what yeah. the fuck are you doing? Go to bed. Nah, man, I'm just hanging out. I've I love Chicago. I'm gonna go get some deep dish. I'm like, what? You need to go to fucking bed, homie. Yeah, totally. So I don't die. Well, we're only driving Milwaukee. Well, still 90 miles, man. You can you can fall asleep in that time. All right. So anyway, so the whole first thing is they sort of detail the the cliff death, which I think was a good idea. Got it out of the way. Got the bummer out of the way. Yeah, yeah. So then we start with chapter one. So they have these. It's fun chapters. So the chapter one's called Full Metal Garage. And it covers the writing of puppets, the Castle Donington Show, and the Day on the Green Show. It's March through September of 85. It's page 40. Turn to page 40. <laughs> and, uh, what, what do you guys think of this style of telling the story? Like, it, it, the, first, the first kind of prelude dispensed with that narrative throughout. But now it's interviews, you know, exclusively, apart from a few captions. Is, is that better for you? I think so. I like it. Yeah, I, I yeah. think it mm-hmm. works. Yeah, me too. It, well, it's just a cool timeline too, and, and getting in each chapter, getting the perspective and stories from all sorts of different people. You know, it's like yeah, you have yeah, the guys everyone, in the band, yeah. everyone from road crew to fans. It, it's it's a you know to family. It's it's a it, it's laid out so well. Well, and it really paint it like paints a picture for you. Yeah, it's cool. They just Bob Ross this shit. <laughs> Bob Ross, a happy little cloud, happy little happy little metal band. There's a sad and little. Just the, the- the, the abundance of photos, you know, we don't want this to become an audio book where we describe to everyone every single one, but from Kirk on the toilet to the rack of their guitars in front of these vintage posters of the era, like... I know, it's it's such cool stuff that, like we mentioned before, that, like, we've, as Metallica fans, there's so much in here that no one's ever seen. Well, um, mm. uh, if you guys want to turn with us to page 46, what Tom and Ethan are talking about is, one of the things you get to see in depth is... When they lived at that house in El Cerrito, they had a garage behind the house that they rehearsed in and that they basically wrote lightning and puppets in. Yeah. And you can actually see pictures of them in that garage. I know. It's crazy. You can see them hanging out in the backyard. Uh, also on page 46, like in this book, there are ha- the handwritten lyrics to, you know, yeah, some p- of the puppets the, is on this page. Yeah, is on yeah. th- and they have this throughout. They have most of the handwritten lyrics. When, um, when I saw them in St. Louis and Brad... 
Blazik uh, got to do the whiplash, or whiplash experience. One of the experiences where he got to go to the Memory mm. Remains Museum, and they had all of James's handwritten lyrics from the Justice era. That's so cool. Mm. It's cool that they all still have that. that I they, mean, I, maybe I, knew to hold on to it. I mean, I think we, yeah. back when you were a band that young, even though they had already started blowing up on this album. I know this from my own touring experience is like, you're just excited to be doing what you're doing for a living and be playing in front of fans. And you're in, you're going to do whatever you can to like, hang on to things and document things. Cause it's all new and exciting, you know? So we're sure glad they did that over all the years. Yeah. And, and just the amount of anecdotes, you know, is incredible. Really. I, lo- I love them talking about, uh, watching live a to see black Sabbath. Uh, yeah, they didn't know reunite. what time they'd come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Um, yeah, yeah. And just, oh my God, just to see their early interactions as well and what these places look like, because they are so old. 30 years is, you know, an eon ago. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're so candid. You know, just seeing them at the beach or in the garden, you know, how old are these guys? They're like 21 guy. you know, it's just a man. Well, they, li- what's, yeah, I thought it was interesting to see that too. They, James and Lars shared a house with Mark Whitaker, who was one of their early sound yeah. engineers. And the house was basically a living room, a kitchen, and two bedrooms. Mark was in one bedroom, and James and Lars shared a room. Yeah, bunkies. And and fucking Cliff and Kirk <laughs> lived at home with mom and dad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I moved out when I was 17. I can't imagine. I moved out when I was 21. <laughs> but I was, on t- I was already loser. on tour. Loser. <laughs> Who knew that loser would one day be nominated for a Grammy? Tom, how long did you live at home? Uh, when did I move out? Do you yeah, still, live, do you still okay. live at home? <laughs> no. Are you, are, you, no are, I, are you recording this from, from, from your mom's garden right now? Keep it down. Keep it down, folks. Garden. Uh, in that parlor, That means backyard, yeah. by the way. That's British for... That's Danny Derryberry for backyard. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm in Oxford now, um, and I think I was about 21. Yeah, 20, 21 when okay. I moved out. But, um, yeah, and... One of the things I love seeing as well are the posters of the old lineups they were on back when Metallica was oh, like third man. on the bill. And, you know, you get to see like on page 65, not only do you see James and Lars meet Ingve Malmsteen, which uh, in of itself is pretty awesome crossing paths, but also see this concert they're playing at where ZZ Top are headlining. This is August 1985. Metallica are above Rat, Magnum and Tommy Vance. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, and this is your ne- <laughs> in your neck of the woods, Donington. Donington, yeah, which, yeah, which is a new, download festival. Which is down, is yeah, now, now yeah. download festival. There's a great story about how, you know, like, especially Cliff, they were big ZZ Top fans, which I think oh, metal, yeah. Metalheads at the time might have been bummed to learn. But there's a story about after they played Donington, uh, their credentials wouldn't, they didn't have, like, all-access credentials yeah, yeah. at that level. Mm-hmm. And that uh, James was crawling under the stage, like, through, <laughs> like, garbage and shit to try to get to an angle where he could see the band. <laughs> And it's just like that connected me with being a music fan myself, like thinking of Metallica, having already written and toured Lightning. Yeah. Are still mm. at this level where that's that's why this window is so great for this puppets era, this back to the front era. It's like it's almost the last time they were still sort of geeky at normal guy fans yeah. fans of music. It's before shit really blew up. Yeah, they're probably at these festivals like Donington and stuff, like running around to other stages watching bands, just being, you know, and they're still true music fans, but that young excitement of being at a festival for the first time. How about this Donington fact that people were throwing bottles of piss on the stage? Yeah. We do that. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, I was going to hold Tom accountable for that. Like, what's going on? They mentioned spitting on a later British tour and and Cliff and Kirk, well, Kirk especially despising it, obviously. 
Well, Kirk's a germaphobe. Yeah, and, and there's a point, I think it's uh, Scott Ian in the book was talking about how, you know, they were getting spit on when they're opening for Metallica over there, and he would, like, be trying to clean his hair out and find, like, a huge, like, just... Loogie. loogie. We call them loogies. Yeah. They called them gobs. Yeah. Gobs. And they were, they were trying to, you know, people were trying to explain to him, like, no, this is, like, an old punk rock thing. Like, this means they love you. No, they're spitting disease and infection on you because they actually <laughs> like what you do, and they want you to live and prosper. Exactly. Um, th- this Donington section as well I think is fantastic because of the live concert photos I think it's on page 72 it's one of my favourite sort of out and out photography moments the wide shot of Cliff and James entering the huge stage uh, I know, the Marshall so good. stack the Metallica flag giant at their back like a pirate sail it's so good yeah and like a wall of Marshall amplifiers and a dude with the <laughs> sweetest mullet on the left <laughs> yeah a mullet roadie that was one of their guitar techs yeah it was yeah <laughs> He, right. that, that mullet was fucking awesome. So, okay, so then we fast forward to page 86, which is chapter two, which turn is called... Turn the page 86. <laughs> turn the page. I'm trying to do a book on tape kind of thing. Welcome to Copenhagen. It's uh, it's September through December of 85. It's them recording the record at Sweet Silence with Fleming, uh, which, by the way, Tom has interviewed Fleming on his show off of Metallica. You guys should definitely mm. check that yeah, out. Yeah, check it out. Um, mm-hmm. The Metal Hammer Festival, which they kind of took a break in recording, went and did this festival in Germany, and then mixing the record with old Wag- Michael Wagner, who we had a chance to talk to. So let's sort of talk through this era. Um, this is fun because, like, to see them sort of document, a lot of people are really curious because the jump from Kill 'em All to Ride the Lightning is insane. Oh, yeah, in terms totally. of sound quality, mm-hmm. production, songwriting. And then Puppets really takes the ride, what was really great about Lightning, and takes it just completely to the next level. Um, and, the, and the book kind of like showcases that. I mean, you get to really see, you get to hear from Fleming oh, and yeah. Michael. And, yeah. Um, there was an interesting thing that I, I saw that, that ties into this Wagner stuff. And the J- Jason Newsett and Justice for All is when they were mixing Puppets obviously you got Michael Wagner talked about on the episode where we interviewed him he said he's got James on his right side and Lars on his left both of them want their instruments up louder and Michael Wagner goes what about the bass and they said fuck it Cliff's not here (laughs) so it's like the hazing the whole like they use the bass to haze Jason if you see in this book they were do they were just basically like if the bass player is not here don't worry about it well he doesn't I mean he's not there he doesn't get his input you know exactly which is insane. That's not a great way I mean, to mix a record. If, if you do listen to this record, I mean, it, it, it is not bass heavy. Com- nothing compared to a, nothing you know, they did was bass heavy until the Garage Days we revisited. Yeah, Black I Album was, I thought Black Album was Black not bass heavy, but it was the most prominent. Garage you know. Days we revisited is before the Black Album. Oh, sorry. I, sorry. I was, in my mind, I was thinking Garage You're fired. Jeez. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. Fake news. You're fired. Tom, you're fired. <laughs> Tom's your new co host. <laughs> I think one episode's enough, but you know we'll. Uh, <laughs> well, fun, enough. We're not going to have you back. Damn. Jeez. I we were oh yeah, we're doing summer, aren't we? Oh shit. No, not anymore. No, no, one's enough. No, one's <laughs> no, enough. No, no, one's enough. <laughs> one's enough. Piss off. Um, and you know, seeing obviously we all adore this album as well, and seeing all these photos from inside, they're so photogenic, the guys as well. And I wish all albums that I loved, I wish all the albums we mentioned earlier on had these sort of things, like interviews with the producer and the I writers, know. and I it's know. so interesting. I mean, it's. I mean, having all these quotes from different people, you know, Fleming and Michael, and it's 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 just like a it's like a book version of a documentary. It's like now I wish they would take yeah. this book and make an actual documentary on this record, mm. right? You know, that's that's exactly what I got out of this book. Was like now I want to see this on film. I read an, a so what interview on the uh, Metallica dot com, like the official so what thing, and 
they were interviewing the dude who helped put together uh, the box set. And he was saying, one of the things they just don't have from this era, he was like, people beg for it, but we just simply don't have it, is like a live, um, a, a professionally shot uh, video of any show from the puppet store. Whether it be yeah. the Ozzy Arena thing Not or when they headlined with Armored Saint or when they went and did the Anthrax shit in Europe. They don't have any I mean, I think the closest shot. would be like Day on the Green. And yeah, Cliffhamall has a bit of it, but it is all bootleg. Yeah, it's all bootleg, but mm. that but mean, not like a pro shot soundboard, no. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah the, Day on the Green would be the closest, I guess, in Oakland. Do you guys have anything else from Chapter Two? My next note is for Chapter Three. Um, yeah, Chapter Two is really, really cool as well. Just seeing all the lineups of, the, of Metal Hammer. There's a band called Heavy Petting that they're playing with as well. Um, <laughs> they're all see, in, like, the they're sca- all in jail now. By the that way, that was my number eleven actually on my list. <laughs> um, and and like you know, there's there's loads of that sort of stuff, and there's loads of really interesting stuff. Like like when um, Cliff talks about his harmonies for Orion were inspired by Finn Lizzy's Brian Robertson. Yep, which yeah. was I did, I love Finn Lizzy personally, and I thought that was very cool that you mentioned Brian Robertson. Those dudes were in deep, man. Those dudes were huge oh, yeah. music lovers. One of one of my favorite uh, favorite show posters in this chapter is from New, uh, New Year's Eve. Um, the lineup oh, yeah. is just bitching, and especially like having Exodus on it. You know, Kirk's old band. It's like Metallica, Exodus, Me- Metal Church, and Anthrax. Wow, what a badass show! Me- to Meg- see. Megadeth as well. Yeah, Megadeth was on that one. Crazy. Wait, what page? Let's get let's get What page are we on? What page are you on, Tom? Uh, one one seven. Oh, you're a little bit ahead. This is a different New Year's Eve show. Oh, okay, okay, okay. There we go. New there Year's go. Eve happens uh, once a year. Turn to one seventeen. <laughs> oh yeah, I see the one at uh, the San Francisco Civic. Yeah, I love that you okay. can just hear like pages turning in the microphones. <laughs> we uh, we literally all have wide the, we coffee all table. Have, we all have the book on our laps right now, and, and we hope you do too. <laughs> well, I mean, um, I, and we'll just say to our listeners right now, like we're we we were we we had talks about how to really make this an engaging yeah. episode. Uh, we don't yeah. quite know how to do it, so this is the this, you know no, this is what no. we came up with. So just bear but, but, with us. But I mean, it's jumping off topics really, just to talk about. And one of the really cool things, I think, probably the highlight of this book for me is the Aussie tour. Um, you know, them covering it, the impact of it, the growth of the audiences. It's a very cool thing to read about. I agree. I, I totally agree because it, it was such a big tour for them. There's a lot to unpack about that. So let's jump to chapter three, which is one twenty page one twenty two. Them booking, them booking the tour, them going to visit the Maxwell House, which was a friend of mm. Cliff's that they went to visit to. We got to talk about Spastic Children a little bit, the <laughs> strange side band that James and Cliff were in. Yeah. And then yeah. they sort of release puppets. Um, I, I My note was that it was weird that Cliff and <laughs> Kirk still lived at home. That was my note on this. I know. But you know, they I mean, were, Cliff, they were Cliff touring was a home so bird. He yeah. is, and he had a, obviously another person that Tom has interviewed is uh, Ray Burton, Cliff's dad. And obviously... Yeah he had such a cool family life I can see why he's like well I'm gonna be on the road nine months out of the year yeah yeah at least I wanna be they've, these dudes never really had money so even when it started to happen after the record went gold uh, Kirk and Cliff decided to remain at home you know right yeah mm-hmm. I can see why maybe Lars and James wanted to stop sharing a fucking bedroom together <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> like how long are they gonna do that so the Spac- Spastic Children, 120, page 129 is where they really deal with this. It's James McDaniel and Fred Cotton and Cliff. And James says that the, the two rules about the Spastic Children was, number one, no rehearsals. Number two, you had to be so drunk you couldn't stand. Before the show. Like. I, while you're playing. I'm sure as a historical document, that's it has a lot of merit, but I bet that was really hard to listen to. It, it, is there footage of it? I don't know. I've not. I, that's a good question. I've not seen it. I've never actually like tried to search that. 
No, no. I'd be. I mean, Jam Burton apparently said Cliff's mom. Uh, quote: You guys sound like a bunch of fucked up weirdos. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's in the book. They just yeah. have that quote hovering above a photo. It's great. So you know it was good. So you know yeah, it's yeah, good. Yeah. Um, but but I mean, nice to see a different side to James. Well, it's like I like that you can see that he has a love for drums. Like he's always loved yeah. the drums, but. Mm. You, it gets into what's dark about him too, where he's he's starting to become a more famous person. They talk about going to see an Iron Maiden show, and after the show, they're all like hanging out on the floor looking for guitar picks, and people were coming up and asking James for autographs, and just like mm. things are really starting to change for those dudes in the Bay Area, at least. The the guys yeah. from Metallica are looking for guitar picks on the floor <laughs> for Iron Maiden, yeah, because they're still just massive fans. That's insane. But Spastic Children was a way of James to just uh, probably for James an excuse to drink which he was a big drinker he at this was. time. Mm-hmm. And almost almost like a rejection of their fame. Like, let's just do the most uh, garish, outlandish, abrasion music that yeah. people were literally leaving when they were playing. Because they only had like three songs and it was mostly just <laughs> yelling and joking drunkenly from the stage. And right. people were like, we're fucking out of here. Like, yeah, this is the guys from Metallica? <laughs> Exactly. Playing it like Ruthie's or something. Right. Or they played The Rock a lot. Jeez. But having said that, all these years later, though, could you imagine going to a spastic children's show? I would go still. I'd pay a fucking thousand dollars to go to one of those shows. Johnny Depp's daughter would go to that. (laughs) Yeah. Crazy. (laughs) Yes, she (laughs) would. Some sort of edgy thing, though. But, I mean, it's uh, the ultimate sin is the Aussie tour, which is an album I've never actually listened to. Um, There's good stuff on there. Is it good? Because Ozzy's in his very sort of like fat rock star. Oh, he was. Phase. Yeah, he was in his bloated phase um, for sure. But almost yeah. even glammed <laughs> it's out. Elvis, like, yeah, he was yeah. kind of glammy. And... Yeah, he wore those like sparkly like uh, trench coats almost. Right. And, yeah, yeah, his hair was kind of frizzy 80s. He descent- Jakey Lee was there. Jakey Lee was playing guitar. Uh, po- Who doesn't speak in the book and neither does Ozzy. They should have both got involved. I wonder why they weren't. I, I guarantee they were asked. They probably they had to have been contacted yeah. for sure. Well, Ozzy can't so. read and write or understand conversation at this point. So, <laughs> oh, uh, 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 Sharon, <laughs> I know we're divorced, but Sharon, are they divorced? <laughs> yeah, they got a divorce a few years back. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. They're both just and, and Jakey Lee divorced from Ozzy as well. I guess. Yeah, they're divorced too. He wasn't in for long though, was he? Because Zach Wild came two albums. Yeah. 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 I don't think the Jakey Lee period lasted long. Yeah, I mean, Zach Wilde's argu- arguably his, his best guitar player choice next to The interesting thing Randy about Rhodes. that tour was that mm. I guess Ozzy was like real fucked up and trying to get under control. So the Metallica boys were told to stay away from Ozzy. Yeah. Do not go near Ozzy. And yeah. when yeah. anytime Ozzy came around them, he was looking for booze. Oh, but Ozzy, bet, was yeah. under Cliff, on, Ozzy was under Cliff's bed that time. Oh my God. Tom's right. There's a story where Sharon knocks on the door. That's Sharon, by the way. Yeah. And Cliff's asleep on the fucking bed. He goes and answers it, and Sharon, she's like, hey, is Ozzy in there? Uh, he's like, no, why would Ozzy be in there? She's like, well, he does these things. Yeah. Ozzy had been asleep under Cliff's bed <laughs> without Cliff knowing it I know. for fucking hours. Amazing. He's probably passed out under there. Like, like I'm just trying to think of like my hero. Like, it'd be like James Hetfield. It'd be like fucking... <laughs> James's James's wife, like yeah, is Jimmy in there? Clint, Clint, I can't find J- Jimmy. Uh, where is he? I'm like, why the fuck would James Hetfield be in here? She's like, well, just let me look real quick. And James is just snoring under the bed. Under the bed, he needed a place to sleep, and he oh, wanted- he does these things. Oh, Jimmy! It's like a horror movie. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they they smoke they smoke a joint on the coach as well. Like they have some funny times, Cliff and Ozzy. Yeah. 
A really great story is like when they, because I guess they were told by management, if Ozzy comes around, don't give him booze, don't give him shit. Yeah. And Ozzy, Ozzy came while they were at a hotel bar. It was like Kirk and Lars and Big Mick. And he's like, you guys want to go jam in my room? He was just trying to get their booze. Right. And they're like, sure, I guess. And they get in the hotel and he just starts peeing in the elevator. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I like how oh, yeah. I like how they're like, it really scared Kirk. Like I could see Skirt Kirk being like, <laughs> Oh no! I mean, it's like this guy you look you've looked up to for for at this point, you know, uh, total hero, twenty years, and you're part you're on tour with him, and he wants to like hang out, and he starts taking a leak in the elevator. Dude, there's another moment where uh, Ozzy comes down to the hotel bar where they're all drinking, and he I guess he was all sweaty from something, and Lars made a joke about his yeah about him being sweaty, like oh hey you want to borrow my hair dryer yeah and Ozzy tried to fight him. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably so messed up on yeah, something. He just fucked up. <laughs> that, that was that was a, a pretty like dark decade for Ozzy. I mean, he was. It was. I mean, you can see it oh, in yeah. the photo. I mean, he's he's clearly bloated. He's like you know he was addicted to a lot oh, of yeah. shit. But those records were big though, weren't they? I mean, he had yeah, like big Blizzard stuff. of Oz. There was some it, it was great a big stuff. MTV I mean, that, radio yeah, shit. Blizzard, yeah, yeah, yeah. No more tears was pretty good. That was a few years later. Yeah, yeah. That's Zach. Yeah, yeah. That was Zach at that point. That was Zach. Yeah, that was Zach. And just lots of cool shit like. The band signing autographs, uh, Master of Puppets record signing. You know what I mean? Like it's just yeah, those that sort photos, of stuff you don't like, see. Mm, love those photos. Yeah, it's cool to see that side of it. You know, I've never really like seen them sitting at a signing table at some record store with Master of Puppets shit plastered behind them. You know, sign- and, like the Heine- the Heineken is comically always present. Of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, there's beer featured in almost every one of these photos. Yeah. <laughs> And, and you know Most. it is it is interesting to see it, particularly with James you know because we've known we've now known sober James for what fifteen years now so he's been about fifteen years yeah it's interesting to see this sort of early young and man they're all so thin and baby faced like mm. wide eyed it's a cool document like they talk about how like until Cliff's death you know it was sort of like the innocence of Metallica yeah and that's yeah. when that went away when yeah, Cliff died yeah for sure you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I have another note about Ozzy page 155 they tell a story about how you know they were such Sabbath fans especially uh, Cliff and they would play Ozzy's Sabbath songs in soundcheck hoping that like he would hear it and want to come jam with him but he heard it from his dressing room and thought they were making fun of him <laughs> they're like no dude we fucking love you man well I'm sure at that point in Ozzy's career too like I'm, I mean I'd have to look up set list from back then but he he was probably even though he might have thrown a Sabbath song in his set list, he was probably trying to get away from that and be his own solo artist, you know? So maybe he thought, oh, they're playing my old shit. That's not I, cool. I think that might have been part of it. I think part of it, too, was, you know, Sharon was really the one, like, the tour got put together because Lars would stay at Peter Minch's, their co-manager, yeah. his place in London, and they had Sharon over to the apartment. It was Lars and Peter and Sharon that were like, she was like, look, we're hip to what you're doing. We want to have you come open. I think Lar- uh, Ozzy maybe got hip to it later, but I think part of him hearing them play Sabbath tunes is being insecure about the new up-and-coming metal gods. Yeah. Where right. do I stand with them? And, you know, like... I mean, I have a friend who toured with Stevie Nicks recently. And we're, you know, we're all huge Fleetwood Mac freaks. Like, they're, they're basically mm. like the Beatles. And she said that, like, she was hanging out privately with Stevie, and Stevie's like, I'm not good. No one likes me. Oh, jeez. And it's just kind of like... Huh. You have no idea that you're like a beetle, basically. Yeah. And I bet Ozzy was dealing with, like, in the 80s, he's like, this new up-and-coming punk, kind of like new wave punk thrash San San Francisco guys. He's hearing them play his tunes, and his first thought isn't, oh, they... 
Oh, what, that's cool. What, what, I did inf- what I did influence them. His first thought is, they're fucking with me. Yeah. That's so strange. Because he was just so lost, you know? Yeah, he was very lost. Wow. If you were if you were opening for Metallica, would you sound check with Creeping Death and shit? Nope. Uh, exactly. I wouldn't No, either. I would never do that. It's kind of a rookie yeah. move. It's a very, a very rookie move, yeah. which, I mean, th- they were rookies still. They yeah. hadn't really, like, hit that that you know that stardom quite yet tom you're a guitar player what's your favorite guitar what's your favorite metallica song to play on guitar metallica song to play on guitar carpet carpet and and baby and baby is solidified yeah in the fingers but um that's a good question um what do i really like playing maybe creepy death orion i really like playing as well yeah it's really fun um i i think it's got a chug of orion's good i'm not quite as skilled as uh both of you actually it's very cool that you both share all this stuff on instagram i saw your fade to black solo just recently man it was fucking killer like you nailed that solo oh yeah clint had that shit down Mm. my phone got Mm. hot Mm. yeah you fucking fire man well Um, i'm expecting a call from the grammys any day now yeah (laughs) and for the category of best instagram solo the nominees are clint wells for part one and two of fade to black Uh, one of the interesting things I've speaking of gear and playing music is did you see where Cliff talked about how he dipped his pickups in wax yeah yeah I, it would never even occur to me to try anything like that he's I mean the dude mm. liked to experiment you know yeah they gave him a tighter sound overall apparently but well, that's what yeah. he claims I mean mm. I mean maybe he was just fucked up on acid he, and he, thought he, he also thought liked to, he also <laughs> liked to do drugs <laughs> exactly yeah bro yeah. if I put but, these fucking things in wax they're gonna sound sick dude I dip these things in castor oil it makes it sound like fucking into the world man his text like okay Cliff cool Cliff <laughs> cool dude as soon as you fucking sober up I'm gonna clean these motherfuckers up get the wax off of them <laughs> And and on these pages as well, one six four one six five, um, are just you know candid snaps, disposable cameras most likely from fans who just waited outside the tour bus like goddamn Beatlemania. You know, I I love seeing these images. Oh I yeah, did, it's them, them kind of coming on and off the bus and stuff like that. And yeah, and yeah, it's so cool, man. I mean, this this is clearly like you know this is like before they everyone called it a selfie or whatever, but. It's like these fans just like coming up. Hey, there's Cliff. Let's take a picture with him. You know, it's it's a it's a cool look at this stuff. Like I said before, we've never seen. And there's a lot of talk mm. about how like they would pull up to the bus not knowing what to expect. Would it be some rock and roll decadent shit? But the, 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 like especially Cliff. There's a lot of conversations about Cliff. How he'd just come off and hang with them and take a picture and smoke a joint with mm-hmm. them. And his humanity comes through a lot. It's just yeah, this, yeah. this book. As if we didn't need to miss Cliff more, but this book really does highlight what James and Lars and Kirk looked up to about Cliff. Oh, yeah. About, yeah, about I mean, Cliff. obviously like, there's a, ma- a ton of amazing photos of Cliff in this whole thing. I mean, they have one photo of Jason when they talk about, you know, him auditioning and stuff like that, getting in the band, but so many, I mean, even just some of his facial expressions in some of these photos, I mean, it's like, we all have gotten an idea from these guys about how much they love Cliff and what a great person he was. When you see some of his facial expressions, like, you can see that that really cool soul of his, you yeah. know, that they talk about a lot. So moving forward, so chapter five is called Smashing Through. It's May through August of 86, page 122, or 172. Sorry if you guys following along. Now turn to page 122. They do a week of touring with Armored Saint, which we know John Bush famously almost became a member of Metallica. Their first break from the tour, uh, it's interesting stuff. Um, they're sort of the rap- Iowa Jam when he meets Steven Tyler. Yeah. James meets Steven Tyler. Yeah, yeah. Steven Tyler, and he's all he's, he cool. still looks like a fan, you know, because they loved that '70s yeah. Aerosmith stuff. I oh think, yeah, I think, that's a, that's 
yeah, that's a fucking awesome picture of him with Steven Tyler, I should say. It's, uh, I don't know, it captures both of them really well. I agree. Yeah, totally. Hmm. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's, God, there's so many good photos. I mean, just on that page. It really one, is, yeah. The one of him and Steven Tyler, like, there's that the photo of James where he, uh, him and Kirk, he's holding a beer, has his misfit shirt on, he's got his hat, red hat sideways, and he's making mm. that fucking weird face. Oh, <laughs> speaking of that, if you're going to look at any pictures from these two or three years, by the way, expect a lot of shirts from the Misfits and Sam Haim. Oh, yeah. They were big Danzig fans. Just There's a really cool letter from Danzig to Kirk yeah. in the book where he's like, after James broke his arm skateboarding, he's like, oh, I guess James isn't going to be skateboarding anymore. Anyway, you yeah. know, have a good tour and... He goes, try not to sleaze too many diseases out there. <laughs> sleaze too many diseases. Can you imagine that? Like, a handwritten... All these years later, it seems so surreal, but for for them to be such huge Misfits fans and yeah. have Glenn Danzig being a fan of them, and it's this cool little like camaraderie and family that you can see in this book that I never really knew before. Yeah, well, it's cool that they, 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 you know, they weren't just like, okay, yeah, we're going to meet... Glenn Danzig and this and that they, they became friends you know like they both looked up to each other you know and I think I'm sure Glenn Danzig was stoked that these these guys that were a little oh, younger time were you know paying homage to what he did in the 70s and early 80s dude in one of these new um like video interviews they released on YouTube there's the one where they're doing the radio calls but there's another one it's actually when right after Jason joined the band I think they're doing press in Japan yeah and they're like it's weird. The press were asking them a lot of questions about what they wore. Like, like what's the deal? Because I guess they weren't all glammed out. They were just wearing t-shirts Right, they weren't shit. wearing makeup. Their hair wasn't frizzy. Like, they weren't wearing, like, you know, whole leather outfits, you know? Well, and they're like, hey, describe the clothes you're wearing now. And Kirk's like, I'm wearing this, like, Sam Hain t-shirt that my friend Glenn Danzig made for me. Yeah. Homemade shirt that Glenn Danzig fucking made for yeah. me. Yeah, you're welcome, Kirk. God damn. What's your Tom? Where are you at on the Misfits and Danzig? I was just about and, to ask that. Kind of don't really know them to be honest. I have to say, um, you know, just a bit of a black hole for me. Not really checked them sure. out. Sure. Do you like Last Caress and Green Hell? Do you like the covers or Die, My Darling? Yeah, yeah. I don't mind them. I'm honestly not too much of a punk guy. Is it that sort sure. of infusing? Yeah, I mean, the idea, Misfits were definitely kind of in that. They self-described kind of horror punk band. I love, right. I, I love the Misfits, but. Um, and speaking of Danzig, that was a very close contender. Danzig two, the record, um, was a very close contender for my, my top 10 list. Cause that's a fucking awesome record. You should check out the first two Danzig records. Uh, okay. Danzig one and two. And they're so good. I'll, I'll put it in the Spotify playlist. Yeah, there you we'll, go. We will share out. Yeah. yeah. We'll share. And there's a lovely story. Um, I just wanted to share as well that, um, Corin says, who I believe was Cliff's partner at the time mm-hmm. about how they went to the Metropolitan Museum of Art. And Cliff got loads of weird books. And at the end of the day, um, James came to the room and was genuinely interested in how Cliff spent his day. He sat down and Cliff told him all about the stuff we'd seen in the pictures in the books. Yeah. They were just really in, they were just really into each other and happy and getting such a positive it response. Was, uh, from it was Hieronymus Bosch, right? Hieronymus Bosch, yeah, exactly. Which, which I mean, which ended up becoming, so yeah, but a really big part of their their aesthetic in the '90s. You know, was that kind of art uh, until it stuff. sleeps. Yeah, right. yeah, definitely. Yeah, just Cliff's influence survives so much past. Yeah, his actual time with them. Absolutely, like, it does. Yeah, it's still such a big presence. I recently did a, um, I did a, I guessed it on a film uh, podcast called Filmmakers Drinking Bourbon. Uh, it's not a great interview. The host seemed very bored the entire time I was doing it. But um, 
uh, or the the through the never film came up because it was a film podcast, right? And right, it right. Sort of talked about like, well, the premise is like there's this bag they have to get. It's really important to the band, and the the two dudes who had never seen the fucking film are like, well, what was in the bag, you know? And I had to sort of, I had to sort of distill like, well, there's this guy named Cliff Burton who was their first bass player who passed away, who because what was supposedly in the bag in the film was the spirit of Cliff Burton. Yeah, spirit of Cliff Burton, that's right. And they didn't they didn't want to go on stage without it and then they the credits roll while they're playing Orion to an empty arena yeah. with the bag on the stage and all this sort uh. of subtext and all this stuff about Cliff and it's like this dude who was only in the band for you know from what 82 to 86. Yeah. It's still like a spiritual a huge spiritual figure of the band. Absolutely, yeah. You no, know. I mean, like, it's like, I mean, th- we've talked about it numerous times, but I mean, all these guys looked up to him so much. It's like a father figure, older brother, you know, and someone like that passes away. Like, you're never going to let that person's influence out of your life as long as you live. Right. And it's just interesting to think about, like, Cliff was the type of dude where he would go have a day buying art or looking at art. And a guy that we sort of look up as to is like maybe the way he looked up to Cliff, like a guy like James Hetfield, he wants to know what was up with Cliff. Yeah, what's going on in your brain? What oh, you, you bought these books. What's that? Who's that artist? Why does that mean anything to you? And absorbing it as an artist himself it's, and pumping it back through the records. It's a younger brother thing. You look up to your older brother and you want to know what records he's listening to. You want to, want to know like, hey, how do you get all the pretty girls? Anything, you know? I look up to you like that, dude. Um, well, I am older than you too. So. <laughs> J- James and Eddie Van Halen. We see as well, which is very yep. cool. Yeah, I'm on that page right now. That's that's a great photo. It seemed like it seemed like James was the dude getting pictures taken with these other guys more so than the other. Yeah, dudes. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Kirk and comic books more than celebrities. Yeah, I mean, I imagine James. I mean, he, he's to this day like he. I mean, constantly talking about his influences and in bands he looks up to. So I'd imagine back then, being in his early twenties, he sees Eddie fucking Van Halen. Mm. and is like oh shit true I, which I, I would do too but yeah. I, I love the idea of thinking like Cliff like Cliff dude you want to get a picture of Evan Halen and Cliff's like I don't give a shit I don't care I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go to an art gallery and smoke dope it's like why he's still the coolest <laughs> eruption sucks it's, it's why he's still all these years later probably the coolest member of Metallica yeah very true yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. dude Yngwie Malmsteen's out here man Rising Force he's Who? like fuck Yngwie Malmsteen I don't care <laughs> Give me, get Billy Gibbons up here. Maybe I'll go say hey. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> what else we got? Working through the book here. Uh, my next. We note- got the fan. You know that Uber fan who like gives Kirk all the memorabilia. Can yeah, you imagine yeah. that? He says Remember he ends up he ended up picking up Kirk in his mom's car and bringing him back to his yeah. house so they could rifle through his horror collection or comic book collection. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. I mean, I, I would have, I would imagine that him having a, a comic and horror collection was the probably the reason Kirk said yes. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah, of course. Because if, sure. if you had, if you were in a big band and had some crazy fans, like, hey, want to come to my house? <laughs> like, no, I'm cool, bro. <laughs> no. But it's yeah. like, I got this, you know, it, it was like, it was like putting the, you know, the cheese on the mousetrap. Thankfully, <laughs> that's thankfully. Exactly, that's exactly what it was like. Thankfully, uh, the, the trap didn't go and, and Kirk didn't get abducted or well, something. One of the things that's really apparent in the, in the book about this time is that they were just super transparent. Like they weren't like big rock stars. They weren't like Ozzy in the glittery robe descending onto the stage on, the, on a throne of a demon. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that would come later. Yes. <laughs> but they were just these dudes who, it wasn't Paul Stanley wearing the glittery scarf. It was like dudes with ripped jeans and a fucking misfit shirt. And according to a lot of these photos, little shorts. Well, that was Lars. Yeah, you're talking about Lars. Oh no, there's here. one of James right here. 
in, the photo in front of him in front of the limo on page 188. I, turn it away. I'm literally getting an erection. <laughs> Tom, I'm getting an erection. Easy, Clint. Easy. <laughs> Can we get some ice down here? <laughs> Ice is only going to make it worse. Believe that. <laughs> and that terrible flag of theirs with the hair is very flat. I know. It's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what page is that? Uh, uh, that's on page 189. 189. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's just kind of... It's a cool poster in of itself, but it's sort of amateur by modern standards. It, it's, pretty, it's pretty hilarious looking, though, just to see like this person's interpretation. Cliff, Cliff and Kirk look the most <laughs> accurate, I think. Lars looks awful. But isn't it amazing that even that early the fans were making these big ass flags yeah, like yeah, that? Yeah, totally. And now, as we all know, they collect them in their tuning rooms, and it's kind of become a cool part of the whole deal. I mean, can you imagine, mm. what, like, one day in the future, let's you know, however long it's going to be, when Metallica is done, whatever for whatever reason, that building that I've been in front of and taken a photo in front of is probably going to become a museum. Oh, sure, a Metallica museum. Because all this shit is in there. Well, it's it's really similar to Kiss. Like you can do pilgrimages of Metallica, especially in the New Jersey, New York area, yeah, yeah, yeah. where the Johnny Z shit happened and where they lived, where Anthrax's rehearsal hall was. Yeah, yeah. Like you can already do that, right? Let alone HQ and it was San Rafael. San Rafael, or... yeah. Man, a lot of good stuff. Neat stuff, dude. The neatest. Really neat stuff. All right. Uh, I'm on page 223. James has broken his arm skateboarding. And John, oh, yeah. John Marshall, who, yeah. no pun intended, or actually, let's intend the pun. Intended. Hero of the day. Hero of the day. Hero of the fucking yeah. day. They couldn't can. They only had six or seven shows left. Couldn't cancel them. Their biggest head, uh, support tour they've done with Ozzy. John Marshall's like, well, I'll do it. Well, Kirk, it was Kirk's suggestion, but John yeah. was able. Could you imagine someone being like, uh, dude, we need you to play Disposable Heroes every night? Yeah. Um, all of, all of James, James's hard-ass rhythm parts. Believe this when I say not everyone can do that. Right. So John John Marshall must be a hell of a guitar player. Yeah, absolutely. Is. He, I mean, we all, as we know, he, he did it again in the early 90s with, the, the, with the Pyro accident. But, but playing Sabbath True is a whole different story than Battery. And Disposable Heroes and Damage Inc. And, and stuff, Damage yeah. Inc., for sure. Well, he also did the early part of the European tour as well. But he was the guitar player in Metal Church, right? Metal so, Church. So he was a respected in his own right, it's sort of yeah. small Bay Area thrash right, right. band. But goddamn. Some of these photos of Hetfield in the sling singing and still just headbanging his fucking heart out yeah. is so good. <laughs> it's like hand, he, hand on the mic stand, sling up up against his rib cage and just headbanging the fuck out of the night. He does say, though, quite rightly, like, what does he do during the parts where there are long solos? Which is and, a lot you know, of Metallica he sort of, he songs. Says, yeah, yeah, like, he says, like, the intro to Fade to Black, you're kind of awkwardly up there, really. You can't headbang to that. Right, yeah, right, exactly. Oh, I think he made a joke, like, what am I supposed to do, sign autographs? <laughs> yeah, he should have got, like, the, the Sammy Hagar microphone and just went in the crowd, like. There's a great photo, clearly they're all inebriated, on um, 218 of, of the boys and John Marshall. And, and uh, what I love is on Hetfield's cast, he ended up drawing like bones on it. It was yeah. super cool. Well, and he also drew <laughs> yeah, later, he drove cool. Fuck You. Yeah. It was like yes. P-H-A-Q. Yeah. Yeah. That's very, very cool. <laughs> the comedic depths of that band at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and you hear a lot about Lars and Cliff clashing, actually. I, you know what? I, I'm glad you brought that up, Tom, because I, I thought that was surprising, too. Like. Yeah, there's a story about fans came backstage to meet the band, like 20 fans. They were already kind of doing meet and greet type shit, and Lars was like in the shower, of course. Yeah, berobed mm -hmm. Lars, and the <laughs> and the the fans talking about like Cliff was always the hippie, like the Zen guy in the magazines. He's like, but Cliff was really pissed at Lars, 
And Cliff kept being like, dude, get the fuck out here. And Lawrence was like, fuck you, I'm showering. And Cliff walked over and like pulled the curtain to a, na- a naked Lars. Like we're talking now, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, Cliff commanded the room. Yeah. And Lars oh, tells yeah. a really sweet story about coming up on, on Cliff's death, about how they shared a moment in the front lounge playing cards. And he talks about how there had been a rift between him and Cliff for months. Because I think... I think Lars's vibe, obviously, if you kind of see the archetypes they both sort of stood under, Lars probably rubbed Cliff. I'd imagine, yeah. He mm. he enjoyed. He bought every magazine with Metallica in it. He was he cared about all the press. And Cliff tended to be more of like a let it ride, be cool. Yeah, yeah, for let sure. Let it just be a cool thing. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't the one going up to the rock stars at the festivals and taking photos. Right, that was his vibe. So it's it's like it's sad to hear that they had a rift, and even sadder to hear that they were maybe getting close again before he passed away. Yeah, do you know the story I'm talking about, Tom? When they like played cards, it's in the book somewhere. Yeah, it's it's very moving. Actually, it's kind of pretty much the final thing I think in the book, um, just before they sort of close out the final chapter. I, I I don't know about you, I felt this sort of odd synchronicity to a certain extent where James, as you say, has his arm damaged, and the final concert he plays without a damaged arm is also the final concert that Cliff plays. Mm. They get one final show to play together before it all ended. That's crazy. Yeah. Is that the way? It, Weird, is that it? the way it went? I thought the last. I believe it was. I think you might be right. Yeah, I was. I just checked it before we went on, but because um, they make a big deal at the last show at the end of the book, because well, obviously it was, you know, sadly. Well, Clint's, when they talk about how Clint's. it's a big deal that James was playing again, and they felt like they had overcome that obstacle, and they were back, and they played louder and faster. Mm. Yeah, it is sad. Look, the the there's a sad cloud over the over the story of puppets. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, oh, you, yeah. even the, even though like the whole beginning of the book, it's all about Cliff. It's like obviously he's in this whole thing because it was that era. But I, I found in going through this book, like I got totally sad reading this whole introduction about Cliff and that and how they worked that whole story of his death into it. But reading all this stuff about him throughout the whole book, like that sadness never went away. Yeah, you know, and especially towards the end here. Well, and the and the book actually ends with, uh, like Ray Burton kind of has the last word. Oh, it's so good. I'm, I yeah. love. I, lo- oh. I mean, that we we all know that they, that they've always included Ray Burton in so many things throughout the years mm. since Cliff's death. But I love that they that, that he got to write the last piece in this thing. And it's it's a touching yeah. little little send off. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. Really is, really is. The photo of him as well, mimicking the classic oh, it's, cliff pose. I mean, that with the, the skull, with the skull yeah. rings. Yeah, and, that, that now to me is, yeah. is a, I would consider like a classic Metallica photo is like Ray Burton, you know, doing his son's exact photo. Yeah, yeah. It really hit me when I first saw it, actually. Me too. It's a very powerful image. Yeah, I agree. That's And that's actually what I was trying to sort of describe to these that on that podcast I was on is like, if you if you really are on the ride with this band and like care enough to dig into all this, those kind of moments become so big for you. Not only because they they are big when you know that how much love they had and Cliff was ripped away, but then you project your own love for the music into it and like, I don't know. It's it's a special thing. That's I think it's one of the things that makes this band so special. Absolutely, yeah. And for a metal band, that's really unique to be able to inject so much emotion into that that lives beyond your teenage your angry teenage years. Right, right, yeah. You know, we're all adults here still talking about how kinetic the music it is and how impactful it is. And seeing Ray Burton talk about his son, it's like, it brings tears to my eyes, you know? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I don't even have kids, and, and it makes me choked well, up that to you know of. Stuff. That I know Not of, that you yeah. know of, yeah. Tom might be one of my children. I don't know. I've been to England a lot. <laughs> Dad? What a twist. <laughs> That'd be amazing. 
dad. So the last, so the last the, thing in the book yeah. is is all the boys holding the original master puppet stage prop, and there's a whole story about that. Yeah, because they lost the stage prop, and a fan in 2015 bought it off eBay. He doesn't say how much he spent on it. But it's a guy named Wayne Summers, who's the head of the UK chapter, uh, which, Tom, you should be a part of, I guess, called the UK Torn. I should be. I'm not really aware of them. Yeah, I will do. You should reach out to them and have them on your show, actually. You definitely should, yeah. So this dude basically bought it off eBay in 2015, and during some kind of meet and greet or some sort of way he met a crew, a member of the crew, and said, hey, I think I have the original backdrop. He got to go meet James. They all verified it, and he didn't try to get money or anything. He just gave it back to the band. What a cool dude. Mm. Well, he's just what a fucking fan. Yeah, that's a, that's that's a true fan right there. Straight up fan. That night, he got to do a meet and greet, and James dedicated Sabbath Truth or uh, not Sabbath Truth, destroy, yeah. destroy to him. I mean, nice. I, I'd imagine that dude is getting into every Metallica show for life. It's like you return, cool. you return this shit. You know, what a cool gesture though. As a fan, it's like he sees it on eBay. Like I don't care what it costs, I'm going to get it, and I'm going to figure out how to return it to these dudes because they're the ones that need to have it. It's a great little part of the story. And it's a great photo of, I mean, that's the only like yeah. modern photo of them in this whole book is them holding up that, yeah. that backdrop. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Rob there, yeah. Um, you know, and uh, I love the giant photo credits. You know, there's an entire page of these huge uh, scaled hardback editions. Oh, yeah, there's a ton, just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's just, I love seeing this sort of archival stuff here and explaining where they all come from. And the majority are probably just fans. I, I'm pretty sure they did a drive early on to get this sort of material before they edited it together. Yeah, yeah. well, they've already done the one for Justice and the Black album. Yeah, they're, they're, they're putting those they, together right oh, now. They've already reached out and not, said, if you have, you know, if you have anything anecdotal that would be interesting, reach out. Yeah. Yeah, it was an email that went wow. out if you're like in the fan club, uh, to all, all the members, if you have any memorabilia, tickets, photos, whatever reach out to us send it here blah 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 i mean so, i think these are only going to get better i think so too yeah. i mean i think they probably saw the success of this one and once they actually held in their hands look through it, they're like oh my god we got to keep doing this yeah yeah well yeah. james even in his intro he jokingly called it the master masterpiece right yeah <laughs> i mean i would love to see them go back and do a book on kill them all and a oh book my on god lightning. Oh, a mm. book on lightning i would fucking murder for yeah 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 that would be fucking great. So yeah, yeah, definitely. we can't obviously recreate the book for you guys. If you if you guys have the book, you know yeah. how special it is. We we did a good sh- job. I think we kind of went through what was really special about it. You guys need to own it. It's a piece of Metallica history. Who knows if they're going to repress it? The time to do it's now, and we're not being paid to say that yet. No, no, no. no. Now <laughs> we've we've, we've literally we've literally scraped the surface of this book. Oh yeah, like, very much know, so. Yeah, Tom's right. So much good stuff. Tom's right. It's deep. Um, now now that we've done that, okay, we have a fun segment. Tom did not know about this until right before we started rolling, yep. but we have a little thing we like to call Metal Up Your Podcast Trivia. Tom's in the hot seat now. Okay, so we have five questions for Tom. Now, he, I know from listening to his show that he sits near a computer he often clack, clacks away and finds right. little factoids, but he's promised us he's not going to do that now. If we hear any keyboard typing, Tom, this episode is going to be deleted. <laughs> <laughs> it never happened. It's all fun and games. Uh, I think Ethan is going to start our first question. Some are true or false. Some are just questions with, we give mm-hmm. you some options. So here yeah. we go. Question number one. All right. Number one is a multiple choice question. According to Michael Wagner, how many days did it take to mix Master of Puppets? A, two weeks. I guess the question should be how many weeks? Two weeks, B, three weeks, C, four weeks. 
Oh god! Well, he he was just on your episode, wasn't he? He was. Um, and I did what I did listen to that. Was it two weeks? A. Eh? That's correct. Correct. You got it. Yeah, I thought it was. Yeah. Way to go, Tom. All right, wow. Tom's one for one so far. Question oh. number two. This is a true or false question. True or false? The inspiration for disposable heroes was football. True or false? Uh, yeah, wasn't it true? It's a documentary that James watched in the eighties. There we go. There Tom you go. Quay. Two, Look at you, you guys. Tom Quay. Okay. This is why he is the host of Alpha Metallica. He knows his facts. <laughs> and, and you know Let's what? That, that could have also have been a trick question because Tom could have been thinking what we call soccer, not football. Oh, I didn't even think to bring in the cross-generational, yeah, cross-country. So American, American football, yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, number three. Which song originally featured the slow part of Orion? Ooh, good question. The part that, The famous part that Cliff wrote. Was it Sanitarium? Wow, Tom. Three for three, three, for three. Tom. Okay, yeah. Go. Go. He's looking these up. Yeah. <laughs> He's looking them up. He is. <laughs> Let me think. What could it have been? Click, 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 click. I'm trying to rack my brain. It was Sanitarium. All right. Here's another Orion, uh, Orion question. Orion. Oh, shit. Hold on. I got that wrong. I, I was reading part three again. Sorry. Oh, it's so good. What classical composer... Did Cliff Burton often refer to during this era as "quote unquote" God? Ah, oh, shit! Who did he refer to oh, as God? Was it Beethoven? Incorrect. Incorrect. The correct answer was Bach is God. Bach, yes. Yeah, of and of course we Bach mean Sebastian Bach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Eighteen in Life was Cliff's favorite song in 1985. For in, sure. In 1985. Or was it Monkey Business? I think it was Monkey Business. Yeah. Okay, cool. He loved that cowbell part. All right, our last question. Our last question. Two songs feature keyboards on Master of Puppets. One is Sanitarium. What is the second? Ooh, good question. <laughs> this is this is good listening. Yeah, this is good listening. I'll give you a hint. It's not Carpe Diem, baby. <laughs> is, it, is it Disposable Heroes? I'm not sure the answer. Oh, fi- no. final answer? Wow. Well, you just let him know that that wasn't the answer. All right. Holy shit. Okay. They just whittled Three it down from five. eight to seven. Or from seven to six, actually. Well, incorrect, Tom. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Oh. okay. So good. So good. It was Orion. Correct answer is Orion. Orion, yeah. You can actually see... Oh, you can see it in the book. There's a um, there's a note from Sweet Silence that has every instrument checked off that they covered, and there's one that says keyboards. Yeah, with a lot of exclamation points and question marks. Like we have yeah. keyboards. What the fuck? It was. Pr- it could have been some like low right. synth, low synth pad or something. And then the other one. It's it's played yeah. by Cliff and it's mixed very low. Very low. Yeah. So that was a tough question. Yeah. 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 Is piano like the low E as well? Yeah. On it, sanitary. It, it's yeah. it's just the That's intro. Right. Yeah. That's right. And they yeah. even uh, on on Lars's show, it's electric. When they just recently had Michael Wagner and Flem- Fleming on the show. T- reflecting on Master of Puppets, they talk about like what we had fucking piano on this record, and yeah, it's like the the intro to Sanitarium on that low E before the harmonics is uh, piano. Well, you got a three out of five, and that, ladies and gentlemen, was Metal of Your Podcast trivia. Tom, three out of five is not bad. I've definitely done that. Okay. But thank you. You thank did you. well. It's your, it's your first official trivia with us, man. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I I appreciate it as practice as well because I'm actually launching a new show on the channel. I'll just announce it here officially. Um, called Metallic Champ. It's going to be a Metallica game show. 
So it's going to be essentially what you guys have been doing. Really? Um, yeah, episode one will be out soon. Obviously, I've got to have both of you guys on. Metallichamp. Metallichamp. Yeah. What, what, is the grand, what is the grand prize? Um, there's no grand prize. Basically, I do another podcast about battle rap called Battle Rap Resume. Right, yeah, on, yeah. There, on there, I do a quiz show called Bastermind. Um, okay. Like mastermind about bars and stuff and people really dig it i have sort of known battlers on to sort of face off about battling okay. lines etc history so i just sort of thought i could sort of cup in my own format and um i've got it lined up and it should be quite cool so definitely if you enjoy uh you know trivia on this show check out um Metalla Champ, which i don't know if i'm going to keep that as a name because it's kind of a terrible name but i can't think of anything better oh, it's kind of good too yeah i think it's good we, we, okay. we can help you brainstorm if you want. <laughs> okay, okay. So yeah, if anyone of, thinks of anything good. So speaking know. of that, that sounds actually really fun and really exciting, and I'm sure all of our mutual fans, and we're going to love to be in trivias with about Metallica. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. So speaking right. of that, so Tom Quee's been a gracious guest for us this uh, hour and a half we've been talking about this book. Tom, people probably know because we talk about you all the time, but let the people know kind of what your show is, where to find it, what your deal is. Are you up for that? Yeah, yeah. Um Alpha Metallica, it's kind of, we're putting the entire discography of the band into alphabetical order. Similar to what a lot of podcasts have done before me, I was personally inspired by Completely Beatles, which is quite a good podcast. Oh, cool. But I, I know that Springsteen, there's a Springsteen one, and there's a few other bands who do it. It's just a fun way to go through music to a certain extent. Um, it's a bit laborious at times when we get to Better Than You, etc., but uh, <laughs> not because of the guest, purely because of the uh, reload. Um, but, yeah, no, so we go through. Uh, it's myself and a guest. Uh, I've obviously had Clinton Ethan on. I've had, if you want to get in touch, MetallicaPod at gmail.com, if you want to come on the show. I think we've got up until JK sort of booked. So we've got effectively next year or so of the show wow. booked already with guests. Impressive, um, Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I've got, obviously got End of Sandman with you guys coming as well. If you want to support at MetallicaPod on Twitter, just search Alpha Metallica. We've got a Patreon as well. You know, all, all that good stuff. But, yeah, if you want the show, as you guys have gracefully mentioned as well, we had um, Clint Burton on the show uh, recently. And, um, you know, we also had uh, uh, Fleming Rasmussen as well. We've had some crazy people on there. And so, fucking Ray it, Burton, man. I mean. Ray Burton. That's amazing. That's amazing. We gotta get yeah. him on our show sometime soon. I said Clint. I said Clint Burton weirdly as well. Just talking about Clint too much, putting him on yeah. that same pedigree. But Ray Burton, yeah, had Ray on the show. Yeah, you you should definitely have him on. He'd be more than happy to. Oh, I would, I would, I would love to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, um, I'm a huge fan yeah. of Tom's show. So, and if you guys like Metallica and like what we do, it's a great. If you guys got. Uh, what we found for a lot of our listeners is they're, they're just so hungry for this kind of content. Yeah. And we have a lot of listeners who just sort of binge listen and re-listen. So it's it's nice knowing that on a Monday they can get both of our flavors. Yeah. I really appreciate and like that we've become friends, that we can sort of cross, cross-pollinate our episodes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't yeah, think this definitely. is the last time we're going to do it on Metal Podcast. And no. It's cool. It's yeah, it's, it's a cool. really it's a really mm-hmm. fun time to be on the Metallica yeah. ride. Well, and like, and like we talked about in the in the email segment, I mean this 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 band's music has brought people together literally from other countries, which is insane to me that we're on it. You know, right now we're talking through Skype. Like, if somebody in England and we're in Nashville, Tennessee, like, and we're talking about this band that we all know and love, and it's it's a it's a pretty amazing thing and such a good time to be a Metallica fan. So, and we've got some good mm. years. I mean, they're going to tour all next year and maybe even to twenty nineteen. So. They might win a Grammy here in a couple of months. You might win a Grammy in a couple of months. You never know. I might never right. win anything in my entire fucking life. <laughs> Don't wait that in, that Instagram category, man. I think you're nominated. The Fade to Black. Yeah, Fade to Black, yeah. yeah fade part one and part two, yeah. <laughs> well, Tom, thank you so much for being on. We're so stoked. No. And, and um, 
It's the first of many. And I think with that, are we yeah. ready to say peace? Adios. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much, guys. Honestly, it's been a pleasure. I adore the show. Um, I want to just remind people, pick up the Jaws book as well of this, uh, Memories from Martha's Vineyard. Um, but we're going no, sincerely... to go out. We're going to go out on a Jaws plug. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to tie it up to Back to the Front. I was going to say... Pick up back to the front, and you can probably get Christmas deliveries still by the time we're recording this. But just pick it up in general. It's a fucking incredible book. It's amazing. You have, you have no, to we, have it if you're a Metallica fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the, I mean, I, I have a lot of Metallica books, and it's easily my favorite. It's uh, outstanding. Yeah. All right, we'll see you later. Peace. Adios. Thank you, guys. Thank you. He's not prepared. Tom, where are you? Thomas. Look at that. He straight up fucking screened us, man. Jeez, Tom. We got, we got these sweet jams playing. Ghosted by Tom. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Ooh. Master of puppets, I'm pulling your strings. <laughs> Yo, Tom, pick up, dude. Back to the front. <laughs> Back to the front. <laughs> if you were our advisor, what would you say? Then I would say, delete that. <laughs> <laughs>